silent. It's notorious for the number of ships and planes that have gone missing. The 1954 nuclear tests weren't tests. They were trying to kill something. That's cold. It's king around here. Time to show that man is king. PG-13. Experience it in IMAX March 10th. Episode 178. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture. Leftover. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the Leftovers. leftovers. Stop! Right. Have a time. <laughs> <laughs> and so Frank is here. Frank is here. Frank is here. We're also joined by a special guest to uh, join us in our Godzilla Godzilla discussion. Holy fuck. In our uh, King Kong, our Kong Skull Island discussion. I don't know. I've got Godzilla on the brain today. Yeah, we'll talk about Godzilla a little yeah, bit. We'll talk about Godzilla. But yeah, we've got uh, we've got a special guest um, to uh, to join us this week. Uh, Mr. Daniel Habner. Welcome. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, what you guys didn't notice is that I, I played Daniel Hopner's special intro bumper, but he talked over it, so <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't hear it. <laughs> hey, we need that. Hold on, Hopner. We had you on. Well, when did we have you on? We had you during the we had you on last during the apocalypse episode last year. Yeah, he was on two episodes because we split it up. We did a uh, movie episode and a regular episode that week, I believe, and he was on both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our listeners were thrilled. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, Hopner, we got to set some fucking ground rules with you this, <laughs> this episode, Chief. I mean, like, that was a big point of contention. Uh, you that know, with that us. seems fair. I mean, last time, like, poor Jake couldn't get a word out edgewise. It was just, Hopner won't stop her. <laughs> <laughs> so, are we going are we, are we to have issues? No, no, I will. <laughs> I promise to be a good boy. Nice, nice. <laughs> he was getting a little snarky, too. Oh, yeah. No, I remember. No, no. There was hey. a... If I go wrong, you can just disconnect me. I know. It's just, no, I'm just talking about like like the first time we had you on, and I was oh, I was yeah. pointing out that you were cutting everybody off, and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you you were yeah you were cutting more than a fucking uh, housewife cutting snipping coupons and shit out of the paper. You were just <laughs> cutting like a madman. Uh, more than Frank cuts the cheese. That's you, a lot. That's a lot. That's and a lot. You were just cutting people off, um, but uh, we're not we're not gonna have problems this time are we well what's going what's no. what's the background noise going on are you moving what's going on <laughs> getting something from the fridge <laughs> the no that was uh, just uh, sliding in the uh keyboard uh, slide on my desk <laughs> you gotta wrangle your keyboard what the fuck is going on over there 
I'm just getting it out of the way so that noise doesn't happen again. Like, I can imagine, like, like if Doctor Who had a keyboard, the thing would, like, have legs and get up and start walking away and shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But not hopping there. Anyway, guys, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about our theme song. Yes. What yeah. about our theme song? <laughs> have we done a good job of picking up the scraps, as the, uh, as, the, as the theme song implies? Picking up the scraps. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. I, I take that as, like, what other podcast is talking about, like, the Crow reboot. That's the scraps. I brought up Peabody. Uh, what? I brought up Peabody once. Oh yeah, uh, what was it, Mister uh, Mister Peabody and uh, Sherman? Sherman. The time. Yeah. Sherman. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's to pick it up the scraps. Yeah, we cover some stuff no one else wants to cover. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'll we take do, that. Yeah, we do the we do the fucking real work. Yeah. I think, you know, I honestly think some of our crow discussion, not Hopner's fucking scared to talk. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Yeah. I, I'll take it over A, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, what were you going to say? I was, I was fascinated. I don't know. Where was I going? Oh, fuck, fuck. No, I think, gonna... I think, uh, I think some of the crow discussion has been, uh, it's been warranted. I think we've needed oh, to. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that yeah. it has a bit. It's been <laughs> super fascinating. I kind of like to watch like these colossal production train wrecks in action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, what was it I was reading today? Uh, they just, uh, they lost their director and they picked up a new director. I can't even think of it. It's a movie that's kind of been in limbo. Frank, Frank's like, like, like looking around and like the database of his brain. No, I'm, I'm really interested. I've been off social media, so <laughs> I do Peabody and Sherman too. <laughs> if somebody just lost a director and yeah. you haven't already talked about it, I don't know. <laughs> the voice actor for Sherman's like, fuck this, I ain't coming back. <laughs> yeah. Was it a superhero genre movie? Was it something else? Uh, I can't remember. Right. Can't remember. Maybe I'll look it up later. I don't really give a shit. Anyway, uh, guys, yeah, recently I did a, uh, Into the Badlands interview and, uh, it's, up now on uh, Pop Culture Leftovers feed. So if you watch that first season and enjoyed it, definitely listen to that. And Daniel Wu goes into the second season, uh, talks about it a little bit. He actually goes as far as to talking about episode seven, which I thought was really wow. cool. Kind of only like eight episodes, right? Ten this ten. season. Okay. So they had six in the first season. So we got uh, ten this episode. Uh, ten this season. Um, it was funny though. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna pull back the curtain a little bit. Um, I started, I did the, uh, the interview with Emily Beecham, who plays the widow first. Mm-hmm. And I think she was in an airport. Um, she was on her way to <gasps> Dallas to the South by Southwest festival that they got going on there this week. And she, she, whoever, whoever was on her end that was telling her about the interview did not let her know that this was a podcast. So the whole time I'm recording with her. Bless her. Oh my God. She had no idea that she was on a podcast until like the very end when I said, Oh yeah, I think our listeners will really enjoy this. And she was like, Whoa, I was being recorded. And I was oh. like, Yes, this is a podcast. And she's like, Oh my God. She got so embarrassed, but she was such a good sport about it, man. <laughs> Did she say anything to be embarrassed for? No, it, it's just one of those things like when you're going into – if you know you're being recorded as yeah. opposed to not being recorded. Yes. Because there was a lot of like ums and uhs and pauses and things like that. Yeah. She was trying to form like answers. I think if she was like – she only thought that she was doing one podcast that day. She thought everything else was kind of like a article write-up. Yeah, you were doing yeah. a, a written article. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Daniel, he knew that it was uh, – 
that it was a podcast. So, uh, but Emily was so, she was <laughs> the outtakes on that. If I were to post those are pretty funny <laughs> when she realized that it was a podcast. That's but she was so sweet about it. And she's going to be starring in a new movie. I think they're, they, I don't know if they're premiering it at South by Southwest, but it's called Daphne. So I want everybody to check that out when it's available, like on video on demand or, or whatever. So cool. Yeah. She was, she was really nice. Um, and I know things about season two that other people don't know. And I can't say anything because oh. check it out, guys. I'm embargoed. That's oh, wow. wow. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> nice. I've always wanted to say that like I'm embargoed. And I can't say anything about season two. But yeah, I know things. <laughs> Unlike Jon Snow, I know things. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Daniel, I'm so happy to have you here joining us. Uh, <laughs> the sincerity in my voice isn't there, but I am happy to have you <laughs> on this episode because I know you're a big fan of like uh, kaiju and, and like monsters and things like that. So I'm definitely interested in hearing your take on this new Kong Skull Island movie. Now, guys, going into this, uh, what did you guys? Uh, I know Jake, you saw it in IMAX. Yes. Uh, Frank, you saw it in 2D. Yes. Uh, Hopner, how did you see it, man? Uh, just regular old 2D. I got out of the show about an hour ago. Okay. Uh, Jake, did you get the Guardians of the Galaxy two trailer in IMAX? I did not. Shut the fuck up! You didn't? Yeah, no. Really? Did you get – I got Spider-Man Homecoming and I got Guardians. I got Spider-Man Homecoming, no yeah. Guardians. I am – you know, and I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, wow. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Have you seen it in IMAX? Yet? Yes, I have, but not before this movie. Oh, God. I, I think this is the first time I saw it in IMAX and I'm – or the – it's probably the second, but like every time I watch this fucking thing, the music is so good. Oh, Yeah. The way it comes in with the colors and looking all 70s and yeah, shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's yeah. so great. Yeah. So I, I I got, like, emotional during that fucking trailer, how good it is the, with the music and the way they blend everything. And I know everybody's like, you're silly and the comedy and all this stuff. But it's mm, – I get the same way. Man, I get the same way. So good. It's the, Those characters, I just love them so much yeah, and that we're going to yeah. see more adventures. Yeah. And we know it's James Gunn again. Yeah. And, and it leaves you like a trailer, you know, and they do these in trailers, but like this does it so well where they leave you on that cliffhanger of like Peter Quill mm-hmm. meeting his father. Oh, yeah. For the first time. And it's like we, we get – OK. We get Kurt Russell at the end of this bad boy. Mm-hmm. We finally get to see him and he's not a fucking Funko Pop, you know? <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, I, I, you see him and then you see Peter Quill's face and it's like – what is he going to say next? Mm-hmm. What are the first words out of his mouth? Is he going to say dad or is he going to be pissed off? Right. Uh, you, you just don't know. Or, yeah. or if he's got questions, that's – and that's what I'm worried about. We're going to jump into Kong School Island, but that's what I'm worried about, Jake. I don't want it to be another Ant-Man where we get this great scene of um, – Oh, you don't want to joke. I don't want to joke after that. I, uh-huh. I, I want this to be – you know what? I mean, the the, the movie's going to be full of jokes, right? Yeah. And, and I love them, you know, because a lot of them are very well placed. I think I, I, I have faith in James Gunn. I think he understands how those kind of beats work. Like, he understands what a moment is like that and that yeah. you want to you have that impact yeah. of a big, powerful, emotional moment. I hope you're right, man. I do. I hope you're right because, like, we got that – you know, we watched Ant-Man and we had, like, that really amazing scene between father and daughter with Michael Douglas mm-hmm. in, in that last movie and then – 
you know, Paul Rudd comes in there and kind of like, uh, you know, <laughs> takes yeah. away that moment and gives us yeah. a little joke. And it was like, you know, we had plenty of jokes before that. I mean, that's why you cast Paul Rudd. That's why you cast, uh, what's his name? I can't think of the guy's name. Yeah, I think it's just writing, though. I mean, because Paul Rudd is funnier in 10 minutes of Civil War than he is in the entirety of Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I just hope that it's a real moment. Now, if they give us a joke and it, you know, and it hits and it lands, that's fine. But, like, make me laugh after I get these characters figuring out their newly found relationship, father and son. Give yeah. me the jokes afterwards, okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't give it to me in that fucking moment, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all. Yeah, the, I do absolutely agree with that. Um, yeah, because you want to have a moment where here's a serious moment. We can have some comedy later afterwards. But, yeah, when that's in the moment, give us the moment to let us kind of let the characters have that moment and let us feel with them for that, right? Absolutely. I I do want everybody to know that uh, Daniel Hopner is joining us uh, inside of a uh, trunk of a sob. (laughs) (laughs) So just are you are you breathing okay in there? Uh, there's a couple air holes. I'm okay. <laughs> good, good. Oh, man. Uh, let's see here. Oh, and I also found out, starting with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume uh, 2, uh, and then going forward in future Marvel projects, probably maybe the Netflix Marvel series and, uh, you know, some of the TV stuff. But going forward, Marvel Studios and Marvel Comics will finally be promoting the comics. Holy oh, shit. Whoa. Before the movies. So this is. Wow, I've been asking for this forever. We have. You can go back and listen. This has been a, we've been bitching about this for quite a while. So yeah, uh, Marvel's announced that it intends to start advertising their products before movies and on TV in the hope of quote, exciting and mobilizing TV and film fans into local comic book shops and retailers. So that is fantastic. Uh, About fucking time. Yes. So. uh, I know a lot of people have been bitching about it, and you know, come on, give the—I mean, the, they come from the comics. Give the comics some love. Give the comic book shop some love. Let's you know, let's revive that business. I yeah. so can't understand why they haven't done this yet because it's a money monster waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, they should be giving away free fucking comics at Marvel movies and DC movies and shit. They could mm. even make that like a promotional, like you know, early. Showing on a Thursday event. I agree with you, Jake. I mean, you, how, how do you want to, you know, give them, you know, just like a drug dealer, they give you a free fucking first hit, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> give them a Guardians number one or, or whatever, right. you know, for yeah. what movie you're yeah. seeing. Yeah, let that Guardians uh, number one be your first hit of the comic book heroin. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You want more? Come to the store. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jake, uh, I know me and you, yes. we got the, uh, it was the five minute uh, Dunkirk prologue trailer. And, um, it was a prologue. That stuff won't be in the movie. That's, well, that, that's what they were, that's what they were saying online about it. Okay. Okay. So I I don't, you know, I don't know. I was a little taken aback by it because I didn't know it Mm -hmm. was coming. Well, I, when I, okay, I, I didn't, I, I knew that it was Dunkirk when I I knew it was Dunkirk too. Okay. But I didn't know. It took me the first minute to realize I was seeing however long of sequential cinema. And not just a trailer. Okay, I knew it was. I knew. I I knew that it was the, a Dunkirk trailer, and I figured that this was the trailer that people saw. Like they advertised that we would see this trailer in the IMAX version of um, 
of Rogue One. That's correct. That's which correct. did not happen. I found out it was actually uh, you had to go to the theaters that were showing Rogue One in in uh, in film. Huh. Okay, that's re- so you had to go to certain places, big cities that were showing it in its seventy millimeter format. Okay. So when I saw, and I thought that that was a seven minute trailer. So this was a five minute trailer. So I don't know if the, if this is the same one or different, or if my links are off. But this uh, felt like seven minutes. Yeah. So basically, it kind of showed us what this movie's kind of about. I mean, we've got our ground forces, we've got our air forces, and then we've got our you know. Our Navy. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, this is a Christopher Nolan directed war movie. I want to see what he does with World War II. I will say I didn't really care so much for like the water stuff. I thought the ground forces stuff was semi interesting, but I loved the aerial dogfights. The aerial dogfights were amazing. Yes. The way they were shot were yes. amazing. Yes. I, I thought there was a lot of really interesting shots. I'm also excited to see uh, – I'm not the biggest Nolan fan. Yeah. But I'm excited to see what he's going to do with a World War II movie. Sure. Like yeah. some, some of the – like just the way the focus was yeah. on some of those ground shots was really interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I'm excited to see this. I thought yeah. it was a very intense trailer. Like it, it almost made me uncomfortable. It was so intense. It had that uh, – heartbeat going on in the backdrop and as oh, the tra- that, always, that drives me crazy as the trailer progressed it, like the heartbeat just got faster and louder and yeah. they really had the volume cranked in our theater for uh, kong i think and so it, it kind of was like almost gave me anxiety the trailer i was like <laughs> oh man maybe i can't handle this movie but yeah i'm excited to see it all right sorry guys i'm trying to fuck with my volume <laughs> real quick let me pause real quick no problem all right yeah so uh dunkirk uh Looks, I mean, if when, did, you, when does Dunkirk come out? Comes out this summer, I think, maybe July. I know it comes out this summer. Okay, so yeah, it's been it's been anticipated. It's just they haven't shown us a lot of footage for it, so I'm glad I finally got to see something. Yeah, you know, other yeah. than just like that teaser trailer that they gave us. Like, his, his trailers are always that way. Interstellar was really hard to see much footage of before it came yeah, out too, if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. So uh, we are going to be jumping into uh, this week's Pop Culture Leftovers movie review. Where's that? Where's that stupid bumper? Here it is. Pop Culture Leftovers movie review! Pop Culture Leftovers movie review! Pop Culture Leftovers movie review! Yeah! Take socks! All right, guys. So, all right, we're going to be talking about uh, Kong Skull Island. We've all seen it. Um, just want to let you know right off the bat that we could be jumping into spoilers. So this is the spoiler warning. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dickhole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. Speaking of dickhole and speaking of this movie, we saw no Kong Dong. No, yeah. we did not. Yeah. Zero Kong Dong. So as oddly as that is, I, I was know. thinking about yeah. that. I mean, yeah. So Frankie only five bucks. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking mad. I was like, how did I not get it? <laughs> I feel left out. You know we were gambling on the Kong Dong. Yeah, that was it was a little side bet between me and Frank. <laughs> Classic Kong Dong. Uh let's see here. So yeah. Uh Basically, Kong Skull Island, a team of scientists explore an uncharted island in the Pacific, venturing into the domain of the mighty Kong, and must fight to escape a primal Eden. 
Uh, it's directed by Jordan Voigt Roberts. Uh, this is kind of like he's kind of cut from the same cloth as some of the, like these directors that have done small projects that, you know, we, what did we see? Uh, it was like, uh, Colin Trevorrow did Monster, then he got that big movie Jurassic World, and then, you know, we've seen Josh Trank, and, you know, he did, uh, Chronicle, and then he did, uh, you know, Fantastic Four. So, Jordan Voigt Roberts is kind of like, that guy, you know what I mean? He's done smaller things and this is like they, and he's done well at them and they gave him like a big, huge blockbuster movie. Okay. Uh, it's written by Dan Gilroy, not to be confused with Tony Gilroy. I did confuse him with Tony Gilroy at first. <laughs> I saw the Gilroy and I thought it was Tony. Uh, Tony Gilroy, he did the rewrites on Rogue One. So oh. it's not him. It's Dan Gilroy. He did, uh, um, I'm trying to think. Dan, Dan Gilroy did the screenplay for, the Bourne Legacy, uh, which is probably the second worst Bourne movie. Yeah. And then he also he also did the screenplay for Nightcrawler, which I love, though. And also Max Bornstein did this as well. Uh, Tom, It stars Tom Hiddleston as James Conrad, Samuel L. Jackson as Preston Packard. Uh, guys, little known fact, his initials are PP. <laughs> Thought I might more out of Frank with that one. PP. Brie Larson as Mason Weaver. So we got a – I mean, yeah, this movie's got some – it's got Academy Award winner Brie Larson in yeah. this, uh, Academy Award nominee John C. Riley, and Academy Award nominee Samuel Jackson. Lots of Marvel characters in this movie. <laughs> That's true. I was about to say four of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, John C. Riley plays Hank Marlowe. And I wanted to point out that there was – I think there was a Tim and, East, uh, Tim and Eric Easter egg in this movie. Oh, really? On the back of his jacket, it said, good for your health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw that. For your health, fucking uh, Steve Brule, the doctor from Tim and Eric, mm. for your health. Yeah. You guys have no idea what I'm talking about, but people that watch Tim and Eric <laughs> absolutely know what I'm fucking talking about. But some are calling this an Akira Easter egg. John C. Riley's character, Hank Marlowe, wears a jacket with a drug capsule on the fr- and the phrase, good for your health, bad for education, written on the back. The phrase and the logo originated from Katsuhiro Otomo's manga series, Akira. Hmm. And guys, I realize that... People are going to say, well, this was set in 1973, and this is like eight years before Akira was even released or whatever. Fuck off with that shit. <laughs> uh, John Goodman stars as Bill Ronda, uh, Corey Hawkins as Houston Brooks, Jason Mitchell as Mills. Uh, this is a uh, reunion between Corey Hawkins and Jason Mitchell. They both appeared in Straight Outta Compton mm. as Dr. Dre and ECE. Uh, let's see here. John Ortiz as Victor Neves, Tian Jing as San. Toby Kebble as Jack Chapman, and they also credit him as Kong on this hmm. uh, on IMDb. But are they giving him credit for the face motion capture? Yeah, did he do motion capture stuff? Well, I think he did. Maybe the, he did face motion capture because Terry Notary worked on this as well. Hmm. Terry Notary he uh, he did most of the mocap, I believe, for Kong. So maybe the body movements hmm. because Terry Notary he worked with Andy Serkis on both Dawn. And Rise ah. of the Planet of the Apes. And I think he's also going to be in the new War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, I also found out that Russell Crowe was considered for a role in this film. Yeah, hmm. yeah, I could see it. There was a lot of Michael Keaton at one point too, right? Yeah, yeah, Michael Keaton and um, 
Someone else too. Yeah, Michael. J.K. Ke- Simmons. J.K. Simmons. There you go. There you go. J.K. Simmons. Michael Keaton was supposed to play John C. Riley's character, mm. and J.K. Simmons was supposed to be in the Samuel L. Jackson character. Mm. So, um, what we're gonna? Oh yeah, Kong has a runtime of 118 minutes and an estimated budget of 185 million dollars. <laughs> so, guys, we are going to start off by rating. Kong Skull Island, and I'm going to do something different. Um, first, I'm going to play the rating system, which I always do. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, so toss it, taste it, Tupperware. I'm actually going to rate this one first. I know I never do this. Uh, I usually save it to the last, you know, whatever the fuck that means. I don't know. Um, I'm going to rate this one first. I've been chomping at the bit to see this movie. The IMAX trailer was just amazing. And let me start off by saying, like, it's pretty. And it is visually stunning. And had I watched this as like a 10-year-old boy, I would have loved this movie. But Dear Billy, this is a low taste it for me. <laughs> um, it's The characters are the biggest problem for me. They're generic. Just every character in this movie is just fodder for Kong. And just just the most generic Michael Bay glossed over characters except for John C. Riley. He's pretty much the only fleshed out character in this whole thing. And I was I think it's I think everything with Kong is just awesome, but some of the shit is not earned. You know, like we get a scene between Brie Larson and Kong later in the movie and I wanna be I wanna be I want it to hit me emotionally. And and, and it did in ways, but like it just wasn't earned. Like you've got Academy Award winner Brie Larson in this, and all she really does is smile and snap photos. She has a couple badass moments, but like by the end of it, I still don't know who she is. They they build this Tom Hiddleston character <coughs> as this British forces badass who literally only cuts these fucking pteranodons in half with a sword. Nothing else that he really does is badass. The characters are just so generic, and Tian Jing barely talks in this movie, and she's set up as a as a character early on. She does nothing. They just set these characters up as generic characters and as fodder for Kong. That's all they are is just so when they die, you don't give a shit, and I thought John Goodman was good. John C. Riley was great. Samuel L. Jackson was horrible. Um the visuals are amazing, though. I, I, I can talk about those all day, and I'll have plenty of wonderful things to say about the visuals in this. But as far as this being uh, a movie that I will revisit, and no, not really. I, I think if you're going to see this, definitely see it in the IMAX because it's, it's gorgeous. It's fucking gorgeous. They filmed in Hawaii. The way that you know, I'm gonna let one. Of, yeah, I'm can, let, can I please go jump next? in, please? Uh, I fucking toss this movie. Yeah, I hated it. Um, I, I, you're on point. I think with a lot of the shit you're saying, I thought like everything you said about the characters. Yeah, that's it. There's no more depth. Like Brian gave you all the information about the male and the female lead. 
you're ever going to get from this movie. Like, it completely lacked any emotion whatsoever. You're on point. John C. Riley was the only one that I gave two fucks about yeah. in this entire movie. Yeah. Everyone else was fucking bullshit. It was this movie has big time trailerites. They like, give you, they try to give you that Jurassic Park moment. Yes, mm-hmm. and they and they fucking fail. Yeah, they it, fucking fail. Yeah, there's no emotion whatsoever. And I don't know, man. I thought Tom Hiddleston was one of the worst male leads in a movie I've seen in like fucking forever. Like he was so like I I maybe you can blame the screenwriting and say they didn't give him much of a part, but I feel like. A good, a great actor can yeah. can make meat out of anything, yeah. especially this. It's this big popcorn fucking Kong movie. Yeah, and Hiddleston is just like, uh, yeah. Like he is the most boring male lead I've seen in a fucking movie. You know, you in know, a long the, fucking time. How is this movie doing well in the box it's office? It's doing very well. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, Godzilla did too. It's actually, yeah, it's. It's not beating Godzilla, yeah. but it's tracking way higher than they than they thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. It, this movie was fucking bullshit. I the big moment where Kong like first shows up mm-hmm. really kind of pissed me off too because it was a moment that the the trailer already had. Like, I, yes. I may have jumped when that fucking tree, tree. hit the fucking helicopter right. had I not seen it eight hundred times already. Yes, yeah. And I, and I thought, is that a monkey? Yeah, I thought it was cheap how they kind of tried to give you the Apocalypse Now feels, too. Oh, my God. And, like, set it in the 70s yeah. and constantly Oh, they play. hit you over the head with the music. Yeah. Oh, my God. They play, like, eight Creedence Clearwater <laughs> Revival songs. <laughs> hey, guys, we're still in 1973, if you didn't remember. Yeah, and I, I – man, just to – and Brie Larson was – like, same thing with her as with Tom – like, I don't know if it was the screenplay or what, but she was just terrible. Yeah. Like, terrible. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is Captain Marvel. I'm I'm actually less excited. No, come on. I mean, Room. Let's go back to that. I mean, yeah. come on. Academy Award winner. This girl has so much talent, and they gave her nothing. Yeah. It, they gave her the Amy <laughs> Adams Lois Lane treatment in this fucking movie. Oh gosh! We yeah. we still need to hear from uh, from uh, Hopner and Frank. Real quick though, yeah, go at for the, it. At the end, like when they showed the after credits scene, yeah, I I was like, fuck! It's still Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson. Like if they were out of the picture, maybe I'd be excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't honestly. If and I'm going to get to that. I think that the next movie is not going to be set in this time period. I don't think it'll be set in this time period, and I'll get into that. Okay. Towards when we when we get there, um, Frank, what All did you think? Right. Uh, I tasted. I, I I think I liked some of the bits that you guys poo pooed on a little bit more than what you did. Like. Uh, I, I liked all the '70s music and stuff. I know what you're getting at as far as like the uh, the the beat you over the head. Oh God, yeah, with it. and yeah, it was very very military heavy. But I I actually kind of liked that because I dug all those songs. Um, like you guys, I love those songs too. But man, I mean, you know, it's it's like when they have nothing else to give you, that's what they give you as filler. You know? Yeah, good point. Yeah, it wasn't in awe. Like it, there was never like those moments where the music and the cinema yeah. were like perfectly right. blended, and yeah. I'm like, getting goosebumps. Yeah, the yeah, they were just kind of isolated on their own. It was just like crap radio. I mean, uh, okay, so like we got Samuel Jackson. I I did kind of like it when he said, "Hold on to your butts." Yeah. I was like, "Okay, Jurassic Park callback, <laughs> um, nice." Okay, yeah. cool. You're in another movie with giant monsters, and you say, "Hold on to your butts." All right, cool. Kind of cheesy. I'll take it though. And then they play the music, but like I'm talking like I'm talking like I'm talking. 
like three songs down the line, I'm like, come on, stop! Yeah, yeah. Are you I, fucking I, kidding me? Like, this is not this is not a Freedom Rock commercial. Right. All right. Okay. Uh, Turn it up, man. It's uh, like, come on, dude. this is a fucking King Kong movie, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I was the same way. All right, yeah. Frank, go ahead. But um, like the action sequences, I liked them, and uh, there was a lot of things that happened that I hadn't seen, and you know, like hollering out, ooh, ow, you know, I, I enjoyed all that stuff. And But the thing I kind of saw coming a little bit was when you have this many big names in a two-hour movie and it's supposed to be about a monster, how much are they going to get a chance to shine? Like with you, what you guys were saying, Brie Larson didn't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a couple people get taken out that are bigger names in yeah, the Yeah, but film, it's but. like look at Jurassic Park. You go back and it's like, you know, I, I as a child watching that movie, I was more entranced by, of course, the dinosaurs. Yeah. And yeah. – Going back, like watching that originally, my biggest complaint leaving the theater when I saw that first in 1993 was the characters. I thought, you know, oh, Malcolm was the best character. I can go back now and I can pit Jurassic Park against Godzilla 2014 Mm -hmm. and Kong 2017 and tell you that Sam Neill's character and Laura Dern's character stand Head and shoulders above oh, yeah. what I fucking saw in this movie. Oh, yeah. This movie's lucky to get a low tasted out of me. It's Some of the big hook is making you care about those characters and want, wanting them to make it out yes. alive. And yes. I didn't give a shit. Yeah. I think they have the time, though. I, I think it's a poor excuse to say, like, the focus is Kong and they don't have time to make me care about these characters because I, I think they do. I think. It's so rushed. It is so rushed, Jake. Yeah. It's like when they when they give us these introductions, it's like, okay, this is badass military guy. Uh, this is badass British special forces. This is, uh, you know, you, you've got the one character who's like the the military guy, but you know he's he's seasoned. And then you've got mm-hmm. and then you've got you know Samuel L. Jackson who he's got a chip on his shoulder. <laughs> you know we didn't win the war. And this is one <laughs> last war. And I've got a chip on my shoulder, and I'm going to stare down the monster at the end of this movie. <laughs> and, and then you know, and then Brie Larson who's just smiling and Hi. snapping pictures yeah, the whole time. Yeah. She's like a fucking Kodak commercial. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just the characters just did. God damn it, man. It's like don't, don't – it's like they introduce these characters at the beginning and there's nothing added to them a- afterwards. Right. Nothing. I, Zero. I actually Zero. didn't know what Tom Hiddleston character's background was because I got up and took a leak. So when I came back, <laughs> I didn't know who the fuck he was other than a guide and he his what they gave him to do. And his acting didn't make me want to respect him or give yeah. a fuck. I had no idea he was a badass. Yeah, I was you mentioned like, it. I was thinking like, oh my god, this is yeah. he's gonna he's gonna be like our fucking uh, Norman Reedus out here. He's gonna be like our fucking tracker. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, yeah. but they 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 gave that role more to John C. Riley, who they kept telling to shut the fuck up the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. The pacing was weird too. The like, guy that's been there twenty eight years, right. you're not he gonna listen to that. him. He even says that. I've only uh, been here twenty eight years. What do I know? All right, Frank, finish your final <laughs> thoughts here, and then we'll get hot. Really, that's about it. I mean, it, it's mostly just. Two hours of action set piece to set piece with little character development in between. Oh, my God. You know what? It was good. I well, mean, it was okay. I feel sorry for Hopner. He hasn't been able to say shit. Yeah. Now, you know what, Hopner? You got the fucking floor. I was just patiently waiting. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, no, this, is like, uh, this is like day and night from the last time you were on the episode. 
Well, I, I said I'm going to be on my best behavior. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, uh, can you turn up your mic a little bit? Somehow his mic got worse. Yeah, his <laughs> mic got worse. Yeah. Worse somehow? Yeah, turn it up a little bit if you can. It's way worse now. Oh, my God. Terrible. Uh, that's about as far as I go. Are yeah. we all right? Go for right it. Better? Go for it. I don't give a shit. Nobody's <laughs> listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true story. Um, well, okay. So, for me, I mean, I'm kind of an easy mark for, you know, giant monster movies. So... I always have to adjust my, like, uh, how, like, I'm going to react or do I like that movie based on other monster movies or based on actual movies? Because they're not, I mean, they're dumb by nature. Um, but so, based on, you know, other movies, it's a, I'm with Frank, it's a taste. It, you know, there's definitely, um, the weak characters, the, the two-dimensional cookie-cutter bullshit with them, a lot of them not really doing much of anything. That's pretty part of the course for this genre as a whole, so it doesn't bother me too much. Then why cast Then why cast yeah. Tom Hiddleston? I, I'm cutting you off here, Hopner. I feel yeah. like you in our Apocalypse review. Why cast Tom Hiddleston, John C. Riley, Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson? Why cast them John in these Goodman. roles? Yeah. John Goodman. Why cast them in these roles then if they are just going to be fodder and bullshit, generic, surface-level, generic characters? Uh, same reason they got Brian Cranston and Godzilla, because it's a name, it's a marquee value, it's going to get butts and seats to try to up those ticket sales, and what otherwise would probably be a lackluster performance for a movie. That'd be my guess. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, weekend. it's a good point, but it's just, it's not a... No, it's a waste of character, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I mean, yeah, it's a double-edged sword with that question, because, like, I'm, I, I'm me on the flip side being somebody that enjoys a great Brie Larson performance, that enjoys a great Tom Hiddleston performance, you know, that loves to see John Goodman shine, that loves to see John C. Riley shine, which I think he did here. Yeah, I don't but, think either of those names are putting butts in seats, though. Like, you see those names and you think good acting. Yeah. But those names aren't, like, I don't think Hiddleston or Larson on I a would, Kong poster. Yeah. People aren't seeing that and going, look at those two names, butts in fucking seats. You're right. It's not a name like, uh, you know, it's not a name like Tom Cruise, Will Smith. Yeah, Bruce Willis. Brad Pitt. It's not an A-lister yet. I mean, yeah. I, I'm talk, we're talking about we're talking about Brie Larson here, who's an Academy Award winner. Yeah, but it's still not Jennifer Aniston's name on the poster. But if I talk to your random person out on the street and say, "Hey, what did you think of Room?" They're they're saying they're they're either saying, "Oh, the the, the ridiculous Tommy Wiseau movie," and I'm like, "No, that's a different movie. That's called <laughs> The Room." I'm talking about Room, which is a great movie. Um, but but they don't know who Brie Larson is. You're you're right, Jake. It, it, but everybody knows who Samuel Jackson is. Well, yeah. I, I, at the end of the day, I'm saying I'm saying like you're right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like your point is solid. Like yeah. why cast these people? Right. If a they're not marquee names that are putting butts in seats, and b you're not going to give them shit to fucking do. Write them. Right. We know where. Samuel Jackson shines. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino knows where Jackson shines, and he gives him roles to where he can stretch his legs and do what he does and do it his best, and they did not utilize that here. They gave him, hold on to your butts. Yeah, he mm -hmm. plays the same character he's played in 15 other movies. Yes, and let's stare down the big big gorilla, and that's it. All that's right. what they give him here. All right. We, we interrupted. Sorry, Hopner. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll agree that, yeah, it's in terms of the marquee value, yeah, they're not A-list or names, but I think that it gives the film a little bit more exposure than it probably otherwise would because they'd be like, oh, another Kong movie, whatever. 
Um, and yeah, it's been what 12 years since the Peter Jackson one, but still, uh, I, I think it's something and you're not going to afford a Tom Cruise or a Tom Hanks or anything like that. So I think it's kind of, you know, in the realm of what you're going to, what they can afford with that. But I mean, John Goodman's still a name. Samuel Jackson's a name. Tom Hiddleston's still, you know, he's got some marquee value from the, uh, Marvel movies and everything. So I think that might be why they did that. But uh, yeah, I mean, they don't, had really do much of anything in their cookie cutter and yeah that's a problem in general that's why in terms of if it was just comparing it to other movies of this genre it'd be a high taste it but comparing it to real movies you know it's a taste it because of these problems become a bit more uh, uh damning to it as opposed to you know what i'm used to in this genre because it fits the mold pretty well most of the, you know, you're, we're here for Kong, we're here for the action sequences, and they look great and everything, and they're fun. Uh, I do agree with you, though, Jake, with the uh, whole uh, uh, trailer-itis, with all, so much of the good stuff was shown in the trailer, as usual, and that's a problem. Yeah, there wasn't a creature that we hadn't seen in the trailer already. Yeah, was, boy, not a one. There. The spider, No, correct? we saw it, too. No, really? Oh, I yeah. missed that one. Wow. Yeah, you see it briefly. It's unfortunate. The, the creature designs in this movie are fantastic. Yeah. I, I wish they would have taken a more Cloverfield approach to the skull crawlers. Yes. So because I, I love the design, I love the look of the skull crawlers, and it would have been cool to see those skull crawlers for the first time in the movie. You don't need to show skull crawlers in the trailers. I'm there for Kong. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why did they show any of it besides Kong in the trailer? Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Because you could vaguely hint at you know the John Cena's line that's in the trailers about you know he's you know God on the island, the devil lives uh, below, and just vaguely hint at something as opposed to yeah, and then two seconds later we'll show you the whole thing. I really wish that they would have held back on him in the trailers because if they wouldn't have shown us already the funny beats that he was supposed to have, those really might have hit home in what otherwise was a more serious movie. Oh, man. His story, his backstory was the most layered backstory in this whole thing. What character are we talking about? uh, John C. Riley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, The fact that he he, he was there during World War II. You know, he crashed Mm -hmm. in World War II, and then there was another – there was a Japanese pilot there with him, and they ended up becoming friends. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the story that I want. And even the writers seem to acknowledge the fact that that was the only story worth a shit because yeah. that's what they're following up on while they're rolling the credits. Yep. Right. Yeah. Is John well, C. That Riley is just the only story, period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The trailer-itis thing, honestly, I, I feel like this would have been a low-tasted or possibly a tasted. I, I just don't know without the trailer-itis. This was one of the worst cases of it I've seen. Uh, they've ruined just – multiple beats and and pretty much the plot of this movie it was pretty fucked up for as much as i love the trailers you're right they gave a lot away in these trailers i i i I was i was really excited once they arrived to the island you know once they finally got there they got on the choppers and they're flying there i i thought the the whole ecosystem of the of this uh of this island was really interesting the way that it was surrounded by a, a constant storm. Mm-hmm. I agree. The first 15 minutes were the best part of the movie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I love the way that they made uh, Bangkok look. Um, I, I love that look. It, it looked very Steve Spielbergian, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the way they made it look. If you go back and you watch, you know, um, you Temple know, of Doom. Temple of Doom. Yeah, yeah exactly. It kind of looked like that. I agree. And I, I love that look. I, I love that look. I, I was, I'm a big fan of 
anything that looks like anything that I watched as a child that makes and that's why I say that I would love this movie if I watched it as a 10-year-old boy because I'm not worried about character development at that time. Right. You know, I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah, there's lots to be in awe of, yes. I guess if you're 8 to 10. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like you know, of course I wanted to see I wanted to see Tom Hiddleston even if I was a little boy watching this I would have probably wanted to see Tom Hiddleston have more of a badass moment yeah. in this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Taking down Samuel L. Jackson's character. Instead, he just gave up with his hands up in the air and everything. That's the thing. Like, when they teamed up with Kong, I wanted to feel more emotional. Right. You know, like, when they teamed up to help fight Kong, I wanted to feel like, like, I wanted them to actually, the director, to be able to portray to the audience and relay the information to the audience that, yes, Kong knows that they're trying to help them. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I wanted to feel like that bond between Kong and the humans that like Kong realizes that some are bad but some are good. Mm-hmm. Okay? He's been the protector for these people on this island. But you know what? Like the people that are on the island haven't stuck up for Kong. It's not like these people on the island, these old decrepit people with like fucking like this face paint bullshit on their faces. Yeah. They're not going out there and fighting for Kong. No. Kong is just fucking taking bruises and fucking bleeding for them. I wanted Kong to see humans doing some badass fucking shit. And they did. They fought for Kong. But you couldn't tell that Kong, like, was, like, appreciative – not appreciative, but just kind of, like, sentimental towards somebody doing something for him because he's lost his parents. Yeah, they did a terrible job of, like, any kind of emotion involving Kong and the humans. Except for that Brie Larson they- scene where she touches his face, which I still don't think hit as hard as I wanted it to. I, I, I tried to force it more. Yeah, there was there was no emotional payoff to that. Like, they did not gain that at all. I wanted to. I want, I'm watching it, though, Jake, and I'm wanting to feel something. I'm dying to feel something, and I'm <laughs> I, I, not. I agree with you on that, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the Brie Larson moment with him is basically them just kind of shorthanding and going, you know, you've seen a Kong movie before, uh, you know, a beautiful woman, they have a connection, blah, there we go. I'm going to try to turn Hopner up here real quick. Go ahead, Hopner, talk now. Okay, sorry. And just saying that I think that the Brie Larson moment with Kong was very much them just trying to shorthand what other Kong movies have always done with the beautiful woman, Beauty and the Beast, blah, blah, here you go. Yes. I agree 100%. I agree, but on the flip side, I will tell you this much. I have never seen in one of those movies, like, you know, the original 1933 Kong movie, King Kong movie, or even in the Peter Jackson uh, revamp, Mm-hmm. Or or the fucking Jessica Lange uh, and uh, uh, Jeff Bridges film from the 70s. Yeah. I never yep. saw King Kong hold the damsel in distress in their hands and then shove their fist down a <laughs> skull crawler's throat while the damsel in distress is still in their goddamn palm. Now, that was crazy. Yeah, I can't even figure that out, how he didn't accidentally crush I was Yes, I was always yeah, I was, I was waiting for like him to open up his hand and her just be like a pile of like red slime. <laughs> I would have actually enjoyed that. <laughs> I, I, I got to bring up, there was one moment, it, it was, you brought brought it up briefly but and it, it was probably Tom Hiddleston's character most like badass moment I guess yeah where he takes the samurai sword the gas mask yeah the, I oh. laughed unintentionally so much at this uh, scene it's horrible yeah he puts this gas there's all this poison gas around he puts his gas mask on he's like 
they slow the frame rate down so he can bat it. Hold on, hold on. John C. Riley slow motion throws yeah, yeah. it. To, why is he giving him the sword when too. John C. Riley is the one who's had the sword for the past 20 years? Yeah. yeah. He's had this sword for 20 years now. Uh-huh. He knows it's time. The it script- should have been John C. Riley <laughs> yeah. cutting those motherfuckers and that up. Like felt a lot better. Yes, too. you're yeah. right. But yeah, he cuts through like three of them in slow mo, and then just like there's still poison gas everywhere. But he just takes these like. My face has been covered long enough. I have yeah. to expose yeah. it again. It's like, okay, you're out of the gas now? <laughs> he's not out of the gas whatsoever. It's, it's like, no, and he's like still hip deep in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I was like, yeah, this movie's pretty terrible. It is funny because, yeah, because exactly what you're saying. He's got a couple of them, and then they do the one where, like, the screen is covered by the little, you know, uh, flying thing. Yes. And the sword cuts through it, which clearly going to be like a 3D moment. And then it reveals that he's still wearing the gas mask. I never like chuckling at that I'm like you look stupid yeah, I thought the 3D was pretty fucking lacking in this movie too yeah, it yeah. was like oh look we could show you 3D gnats every time we show close ups of Kong mm. but that was pretty much like all they were really giving me like there was never really any huge 3D moments can I tell you about a scene that I did love yeah, yeah. I, 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 a scene that I absolutely adored that I thought was fantastic well shot and I thought it was well acted was a scene with Toby Kebble and did he play Jack Chapman in this movie I can't remember the what's the name of the character. Uh, yes, Jack Chapman. And it's the scene where he's um, out in the open in the water and Kong is in the in this river too mm-hmm. and starts to walk up on him. And he sees Kong and he goes behind a rock. And um, yeah, it was Jack Chapman. He's washing his face. All of a sudden, uh, the squid, that giant squid, Starts to attack Kong. Yeah. I love that scene. I thought that that was amazing. Uh, just, just, I, I don't know. I loved everything about that. We got to see Kong kind of like in a moment there where he didn't know he was being watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got to kind of like see him. Watch him slurp up some tentacle. Well, before that, I mean, he's, he's <laughs> looking at himself and he's bleeding from the battle. Mm-hmm. He's looking at his hands. He's he's tending to his arm. He's you know he's actually drinking some water and things like that. We get to see Kong in kind of like just like a moment where he's like, we've got this soldier watching him, and he's just not like this crazy mindless monster. Yeah, he's not a disaster movie walking. Exactly. And unfortunately, that moment was wasted on somebody who doesn't even make it out. I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He gets uh, he gets eaten by a skull crawler, and mm-hmm. then we see his head spit out, and then conveniently, uh, Tom Hiddleston sees his dog tags. Um, <laughs> somehow, dog tags. his no, dog lo- tag survived his head coming yeah. off the rest but of his I, body. I, you know, I I I, lo- I love that scene. Yeah, of course, it turned into you know it it turned into a scene of him like attacking the squid from Lord of the Rings, but yeah. You know, and I was thinking to myself for a moment, like when he when he ripped off that big chunk of the squid and tossed it towards Jack Chapman's way, that like that guy would be eating eating like calamari that night. <laughs> um, I would, I would too. Yeah. So, but um, th- there's moments in this that I love. There are moments I I love every time Kong is on the screen. This is the most beautiful Kong I've ever seen. Um, this Kong looks phenomenal. Uh, I love the scenes where Kong is just slapping helicopters out of the sky and just 
I love that one where he grabbed that like that big uh, transport copter and used it as a baseball bat. Yeah, yeah and just fucking cool. hit another helicopter. I loved it when he, you know, he would jump into the sky and just rip one down, and he's like, "Not in my house, motherfucker." <laughs> and I, I, I like that. And that's I wanted to see them go to war with Kong, but man, it just it just, this movie's just for for some reason just did not deliver for me. Where I feel like Godzilla was a little bit too much reserved. I felt like this was too much. It was giving us too much. Yeah, it's too in your too in your face. And so, yeah, exactly. So, so they need to figure this out. They need to go somewhere in between. But in both movies, they've done injustice to the characters, to the human characters. Yeah. I felt like Godzilla, as far as like him being in the Godzilla film, I thought Godzilla was fantastic. You know, the scenes of Godzilla that we got, and I thought it was worthy of Toho, you know, giving, you know, their input on the character throughout that movie. And I felt like King Kong in this movie was actually pretty damn good. Yeah, I don't have too many qualms about the actual like, Kong, creature yeah. design and Kong. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Great. I do think that we should have had more creatures in this. Variety, yeah, that'd yeah. be nice. A yeah. Few I hadn't seen already. Mm-hmm. What about the final battle? I mean, between the ultimate skull crawler. I actually, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I thought the actual final battle was actually done really well. You know, we got the teases of him, like, ripping the jaw in half. We didn't get that. You know, we saw him do that quite a bit in, like, the Peter Jackson movie with the T-Rexes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually I, – I, I enjoy the Peter Jackson King Kong a lot more than this movie. I, I can't decide which one I, I – I like more. I, I just like them both. Oh, I, I enjoy the <laughs> I enjoy the Peter Jackson King Kong movie. To be quite honest with you, I'd give it a taste it to high taste it. I, I like it. Yeah, they're both yeah. tosses for me. I don't think I ever made it all the uh, way through. I like watch half of it twice. I like it. It's a guilty pleasure. I enjoy it. It was. Yeah, I think. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go say- ahead. Stop. Go ahead, Stopner. Go ahead, Hopner. <laughs> go ahead. We we. I feel bad for cutting you off so much. It's all right. Um, I mean, with the 2005 Kong, I think, uh, and I forget which one of you two said it earlier, that like the the beginning part of this movie is some of the best stuff of it, and then before they get to the island, whereas the 2005 Peter Jackson Kong, uh, they take fucking forever to get to the damn island, but once you get there, it's a lot better, I think. Uh, so it's interesting just kind of seeing how there's still not a good, like, middle ground there of too much time beforehand or not enough time and then the island stuff either being really dynamic or really boring. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. It took way too long in the Peter Jackson version. Movie definitely got better when we got to the uh, Skull Island. Uh So let's, um, I don't know, I feel like we've trashed this movie quite a bit. (laughs) It's not... I would still recommend people to see this in theaters, to be quite honest with you. Mm. It's the best way to see it. I don't think that there's any – I do. I think it's a, a – I think visually it is stunning. And I think the best way to see Kong, this gigantic monster, is in IMAX 3D. I really do. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess I agree with that. If you have the desire to see this movie – Maybe if you're into I'm not, like yeah, the Michael yeah. Bay Transformers and have a passing interest in Kong. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to get people not to see this. I think the best way to see this is in the theater. I think like once it comes home, yeah, it's worthless. It's yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I think the best way to see this is in the theater. I, I can't imagine watching this at home and having having any satisfaction. No. Um, but uh, let's talk about the post credit scene. So the post credit scene goes. It goes really – it goes Ferris Bueller for a second before you realize what's going on because you hear Tom Hiddleston 
uh, his character is ask Captain Conrad. He's asking, why are you still here? And then he says, why are you still there on your seats in the darkened room? And then the scene opens and we see Conrad and Brie Larson's character being held in an interrogation room uh, with one-way mirrors. Brie Larson's character then threatens to tell the Russians about Skull Island and the meeting with uh, their meeting with Kong. Uh, Houston Brooks, who's played by Corey Hawkins, and then San, who's played by Tian Jing, walk into the room and inform them that Kong is only the beginning and that the island expedition proved that the hollow earth theory, which uh, they brought up quite a bit throughout the movie, which was not interesting either. Um, it's true and that the skull crawlers were just the beginning. So Brooks then informs them that there are other monsters that are out there with ancient people that the ancient people that they encountered have known about. Uh, we're then shown, um, as well as, uh, we're shown some slides featuring photos of characters that we've known from past Godzilla films. We see Godzilla, we see Mothra, King Godira, and Rodan. So they're setting up their whole kaiju monster universe with yeah. this. We saw this coming. We knew that they had planned for a Godzilla versus King Kong film. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a uh, post credit scene that's setting up this whole world. So I don't know. I just want to get your initial thoughts on this. Jake, I, I can already tell you, you hate it. I, I know that. <laughs> it's a post credit scene, and, and you yeah. hate those. You, and even if I pretend that I don't hate post credit scenes, yeah. I hated this. <laughs> I hated this scene. Yeah. So, yeah, I, like I said, it scared me that I, I'd be excited, more excited to see Kong vs. Godzilla if we weren't bringing back Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson, which this post credit scene scared me into thinking that might I don't happen. think so. I don't no, think so. No, there's no way. No. I hope not. Let me, can I get into that? Do you, uh, do you, Hopner, do you have any theories on why they're not coming back? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, they're the age they are in that movie in 1973. The next, because it's after this, it's Godzilla 2, then Kong versus Godzilla, and that's that thing 2020. Yeah. Uh, but that's all taking place post first Godzilla movie from two years ago, which was in current time. So unless they put on the most insane age makeup on both of them, no, they're not coming back. They're going to be like 30, 40 years older. That's is, a, it's is, a great point, but hold on. Go ahead, Jake. Is that official that Godzilla from a few years ago and this movie take place in the same universe? Yeah, because uh, yes. John Goodman's character is part of Monarch, or the other his other characters, they're part of Monarch, which was the organization that Ken Watanabe was uh, part of in uh, Godzilla. Okay, yes. I've not seen the Godzilla movie from That's two right. years ago. Now, Skull Island, let me get into this, why it's not going to take place right after this encounter in 1973, that I think that they are going to time jump, and we aren't going to get Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson back unless... Daniel's correct, and they do like this insane like makeup prosthetic. Hopefully, they don't go with the route of uh, what was his name? What uh, uh, fucking Prometheus? What was the actor? Guy Pierce? Oh yeah, that was oh, horrible. Yeah. Oh my god, that was fucking. Why horrible. would they put him in all that makeup so they could not 
act again. Oh my god, Johnny Knoxville looks better in the Jackass movie as the old man <laughs> than fucking Guy Pierce did in fucking Prometheus, oh, which is like yeah. a fucking hundred plus million dollar movie. Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, oh, they could do that, or they could uh, Tarkin uh, these two and age them. Oh, yeah, fuck off! Bother. Fuck off with that shit. I, I think the best way of going forward <laughs> is to have somebody different in each movie. Yeah, and let Kong and Godzilla just like be the constant throughout. <sighs> it makes me really regret that Kong didn't kill those two characters. Can I get into why? <laughs> let me get. Can I get? Can I get into why? And I think I can prove. I think I can prove why they are going to time jump. Yeah, yeah. Please do. All right. So Kong Skull Island features the tallest incarnation of Kong in an American film. Okay, he stands in this film that we watched. He stands approximately a hundred and four feet tall, while Peter Jackson's Kong was only twenty five feet tall. Mm-hmm. Okay. The tallest incarnation of Kong overall is the one featured in King Kong vs. Godzilla back in 1962, and he stood 147 feet tall. So we are expecting that Kong is going to fight Godzilla in a future King Kong the Godzilla film, correct? Yeah. Okay. Dawn so of monsters. how tall was Godzilla in the 2014 film? He was... 350 fucking feet tall. Okay, guys? Get some stilts, King Kong. Now, remember, (laughs) there was a quote in this film from John C. Riley who said that this King Kong, this Kong, is still growing. So we've got basically kind of like a uh, not a fully adult Kong here. (laughs) So this Kong is still growing. We've got to time jump to where he's at least... 200 and something feet tall. We cannot have a 104 foot tall Kong fighting against a 350 feet tall Godzilla. We got to get him to at least 220 to 230. Yeah, get, get him to the proper <laughs> weight class. So we got protein get, powder. We got to get we got to get a bigger King Kong. Make so I, I think they're going to. I think the island will be. It will not be disturbed. For a good thirty, forty years, and um, we're gonna we're gonna get this Kong. Uh, it's gonna be an even bigger Kong. So, yeah, yeah. If and if I may, Brian, I'm glad you brought the whole size thing up because if you had, if that wasn't where you're going with it, I was going to. Also, good, uh, good checking on. You got the uh, the exact measurements correctly. Wow! So, wow! Wow! Holy shit! Nice job, man. man. Yeah, thank you. Saved you a correction Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Holy shit! No, I, I don't. I'm not used to these compliments. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, you know, you guys. It's like you know, mom makes dinner and shit. Mom, you know, she makes the meatloaf. You know, she makes the green beans. She makes the casseroles and all that shit. And everybody just usually just chows it down, right? You know, I'm putting the meal together, right? That's what I do. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. nobody says thanks, mom. You know what I mean? And then mom goes to bed and mom reads her fucking, you know, I read my little fantasy stories, you know. I read my Fifty Shades of Grey and shit. And I, I wonder, like, when can I have a dark, mysterious guy come into my life and ram me, you know. that's <laughs> like. And Hopner, you were that guy for me tonight. So thank you. You're Seriously, welcome. I, no, thanks, I, I, thanks, t- mom. I took a Daniel Hopner deep dick in there and I appreciate it. I, <laughs> no, thank you. It's nice to be complimented. Tell, you know, tell me I'm pretty. I get all dolled up for you fucking assholes every week and nobody, nobody fucking tells me I'm pretty except for Hopner. So thank you. 
And most of the time when someone does compliment you on an email, then you shut them down. Like, oh, fuck you. It's a pity party. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Hey, guys, you know what we're going to do? Uh, we're going to hang up on Hotner and take our break. No, I'm fucking with you. We're gonna take our, <laughs> we're gonna take our first break, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna do the rest of good pop, bad pop here. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Rambunctious goodness. <laughs> oh, man. Rambunctious. Yeah, settle down, settle down. I know. I know this show. Hey, Daniel, you know what? You don't sound like shit anymore. What the fuck? Uh, figured it out, finally. <laughs> Your mic nice. situation. Oh, yeah, he does sound better. He does sound good. He sounds crisp. Mm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, hey. I was a little creeped out right there. I can't lie. <laughs> You mean you didn't like it? Oh my god, you sounded like uh, that yeah, butthead from Beavis and Butthead there. Uh, you didn't like it? I'm TB for my bunghole. <laughs> all right. Anyway, this is good. this is yeah, yeah. All right. The evolution of pop culture. I know. It's like a, it's like, a, like a, the weirdest homage. It happened so fast. I expected like a slower decline. Yeah. yeah we we've officially jumped the shark by giving homage to a uh, 1990 Mikey Judge fucking animated show. Anyway, uh, we're going to be jumping into good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews. With Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we like these things. Sometimes we hate them. So we're going to use our rating system, uh, Toss It, Taste It, Tupperware. I'm going to start off just by letting everybody know that I watched, I binged watched it within two days. Uh, Atlanta. On, yeah. On How was it? Oh, it's so good. Oh, man. I'm so jealous. I, I fucking even told you to DVR. Yes, it, yes. My DVR missed episode three and four. Yeah. And then got five and six. And I just, like, basically threw a hissy fit and yeah. deleted it all. Yeah. Uh, it's really easy to digest. Uh, it's only 30-minute episodes. So about, you know, 22 minutes per episode when you watch it without the commercials. It is fantastic. Donald Glover, I am a fan. Oh, my gosh. He's so good. There is yeah. nothing like this on TV. Nothing. Nothing. You know what I mean? It's so fantastic. I'm not going to go into the details of the show. I'm just giving you my rating. It is a Tupperware. If you have access to watch this on FX, FX, the network, is fucking killing it. Fucking killing it. Between this, Baskets, Legion, Taboo. Uh, the Americans, all these shows, fantastic. Yeah. Definitely watch Atlanta. It is a Tupperware. Donald Glover is so good in this. It's uh, funny. I can't wait to see it. It's it, really funny. It's funny. It's funny. And they do time jumps. It's not like one episode ends 
and they have to pick up where that episode left off. They pick up, and then in the next episode, you're introduced to new characters, and they've done a time jump. It's so phenomenal. So mm. good. So good. FX is killing it as a network. Yeah, I love Donald Glover. His newest album is fucking fantastic. It was one of my favorite albums last year. See, I don't I, – Childish Gambino? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not into, like, the whole music scene. I didn't watch uh, – you know, I didn't – stick with community and all that shit Mm -hmm. this is my real first exposure to donald glover which i'm glad i have because now i have 100 percent faith that he's going to do a fantastic job as lando calrissian oh yeah i'm so excited that yeah that's why so many people got so excited when that casting happened yeah 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 he's gonna be great uh second thing i want to talk about before i hand it off to one of you gentlemen is uh feud on fx have any has anybody had a chance to no, watch Feud? No, I want to see it, though. Let's hear what you think. I watched the pilot episode. This comes out on uh, Sundays on FX. It's another show by FX. And uh, it's basically, it's about Cast Aside by Hollywood. Screen legends Joan Crawford and Betty Davis battle, uh, battle each other when they sign up for Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. That movie came out in 1962, and uh, it was kind of like a horror thriller movie at the time. Mm-hmm. This uh, show stars Susan Sarandon as Betty Davis, Jessica Lange as uh, Joan Crawford. Kind of interesting that Jessica Lange is in this, and she was also in a King Kong movie back in the 70s. That yeah. was like her first big gig. Anyway, it also stars Catherine Zeta-Jones, Kathy Bates, Sarah Paulson, who has not been introduced into the series yet. She'll be in the next episode. Alfred Molina, mm. our Doc Ock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Alfred fucking Molina. Uh, also fame from the uh, Indiana Jones movie, Raiders yeah. of the Lost Stars. The spider guy. Yeah, Doc Ock. Yeah. Spider-Man. Uh, also in uh, Boogie Nights and one of my best, my, one of my favorite scenes from that film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, he plays Robert Aldrich, which was the director for uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And Stanley Tucci plays Jack Warner of Warner Brothers in this. Yeah, what a cast. Ooh. A lot of Ryan Murphy regulars and some really good people on top of that. Let me preface the, this this rating. I, I give this a high taste. This has the chance to be a Tupperware as the season progresses. My biggest problem is also... My biggest problem with this is the casting of Joan Crawford as Jessica Lange. I I don't know how to say this. I want people to go back, and before you watch this series, if you have the luxury to watch this movie, I want you to watch Mommy Dearest. Has, has anybody seen Mommy Dearest? Clips. No. Clips? Yeah. So, no. Anyway, has anybody seen Mommy Dearest all the way through? <laughs> no. Yeah, no. the movie came out in 1981, and it is a uh, it, it's uh, Faye Dunaway plays Joan Crawford. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is so good. And I, I know some people don't like it, but basically, after Joan Crawford had uh, an adopted son and an adopted daughter, and Joan Crawford was beloved in Hollywood for a long time uh, for the people that watched her films. Now, the people that knew her behind the scenes knew that she was a complete bitch. And I'm not just saying that she was, okay? <laughs> this, she was cold-hearted. And um, I, I recommend that people watch Mommy Dears. It's kind of at its detriment, though, because Faye Dunaway does such a great job in the role as Joan Crawford mm-hmm. that when you see Jessica Lange in the role, she doesn't. she's not as good. Now, she may get better. Yeah, yeah. 
she may get better. And it, she's definitely capable of getting yeah, better. Yeah, she is. But Faye Dunaway was phenomenal in that role. Like, Jake, this movie is great. Like, Mommy Dearest is so good. It's, it's, it's so memorable. So many memorable lines. Like, you see Joan Crawford just flip out on her adopted children. There's a scene called, where she, where no wire hangers. Like, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Mm. And she went nuts in this scene. Like, she uh she had a lot of personal things going on in her life at the time and so she took them out on her kids. She was very like almost bipolar. And um there's a scene where she flips out on the on her daughter for using wire hangers when she should be wearing wooden hangers because they don't they don't ruin your clothes. Ah. So it's like at three, four in the morning she has like the kids going up, going outside and like doing gardening. <laughs> She's freaking out and she has the kids doing gardening in the in the in the yard because at this point in time in her career She's not able to, you know, keep the staff in her home to she can't hire a gardener And so she's freaking out about the way the house looks outside It's a great movie. Mommy Dearest is so good and Faye Dunaway does she does that role such justice that You it's I'm all I'm almost it's almost weird seeing somebody else play Joan Crawford, but Faye Dunaway. Mm, okay. Okay. This movie is not about that. That was a that was a Joan Crawford centric movie, and it was basically the movie was kind of written by her daughter after she died, and her daughter kind of like told you like the untold story of Joan Crawford mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Yeah. This is like the untold story of Betty Davis and Joan Crawford's relationship in this new anthology series that they're starting with feud. And I think like the second season of feud is going to deal with uh, Prince Charles and uh, princess Diana. Oh, wow. So this is like the first of, you know, the feud installments. I give it a high taste. It Susan Sarandon is fantastic. My problem is just because I saw mommy dearest. Now, do I think that you need to watch mommy dearest to enjoy this series? Part of me says yes, because like, they introduced Joan Crawford and, uh, you know, of course, like, they're feuding. The whole show is called Feud. They're feuding with one another and they get both, they get this role in whatever uh, happened to Baby Jane. And of course, like, both of them are wanting to suck up to the crew. And so when, uh, Joan Crawford shows up, she shows up with gift bags for everybody. And then she also shows up to set with a Pepsi Cola machine. And she's always posing with Pepsi Cola. Well, you'll know if you watched the mommy dearest that she actually married like the president of Pepsi, PepsiCo. Oh shit. And like, you know, she took over that company for a while. It was fucked up. Like, and you learn that from that movie. So I think like you get a lot of background on the character in Mommy Dearest. Mm-hmm. And I think it's to your benefit to see that because you get the background of the character. But it's also detriment <laughs> because Jessica Lange is just not as captivating yet as Joan Crawford. Okay? Mm. So I don't know what to tell you. Like do you need to see whatever happened to Baby Jane? I think that would be a good movie to watch after you've seen this. Do you need to see the movie Mildred Pierce? I've seen it. It's a fantastic movie. It's so good. And it's brought up in this movie, uh, in this show. You know what? Do whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I it, mean, the show yeah. is intended to work without any of that. Yeah. It is. It. I, it is. It's hard for me to separate, though, Jake. Oh no, I'm not yeah. saying, but yeah. I, I still think you can, you can come in not having seen any of that and 
and pick up on what's going on. Sure, I, I think like the the Pepsi the Pepsi stuff might be a little confusing. Yeah, it might be because like you get that background in this. They keep showing Pepsi, and it's like some people are probably maybe think like, why do they keep showing? What is the deal with this Pepsi stuff? Because like there's there's throwaway lines in this, Jake. Yeah, I feel like. I feel like I came in with an advantage having seen Mildred Pierce and having seen Mommy Dearest, mm-hmm. but it's almost to like my detriment, like I said, because Jessica Lang just is not, she's not my Joan Crawford yet. Yeah. Well, okay. hopefully that'll change. I'm hoping it'll change. Um, it, it's a great movie. It's a great show. It, it's a really good show though. And it, it features these two actresses who like in this day and age are, are, in this in this role in this show, they're considered like past their prime. It's 1961, and they're 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 aging. They're older, mm-hmm. and there's younger up and coming actresses. And, and one of the actresses they point out that's coming into her own at this time is Marilyn Monroe. And so, like, they are constantly being pushed aside by young and up and coming actresses like Marilyn Monroe, who's mm-hmm. like, you know, she's like. Queen shit of fuck mountain. Yeah, the new hit girl. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, they, they harbor some anger towards her. Like where they were getting the roles that Marilyn are getting, now Betty Davis is on Broadway and Joan Davis is just struggling to stay in the spotlight. Yeah. And because it's not like there's hundreds of movies that you can be in. Right. Like there is now. Like yeah. Very limited. And this, and this, I mean, and, and this does a great do- job of showing that. So, um, basically it's, they're at this point in their career where they're, they're older. And so they're thinking to themselves, like, what can we do to make our mark on Hollywood now? Everyone remembers Joan Crawford. Everyone remembers Betty Davis. But, Nobody wants to see them in a solo project, but how can we capture everyone's attention now? We can get both of these great actresses in the same movie mm-hmm. together, and that's what they do here. This sets this up, and so the feud has – we've seen elements of the feud in the first episode, but the feud is really going to start to heat up when they start filming this movie. And so um, I, I do think that you need to watch this. I give the I give the first episode a high tasted. I think this could go into Tupperware territory. So definitely check it out. Feud on FX. I I, I did enjoy the first episode. So. Yeah, it sounds really good. I like shows like that yeah. where it's like the behind the scenes of making yeah. a movie type of show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, stuff's really cool. Yeah. Uh, let's. Uh, who wants to jump in? Uh, I, I'll. Go briefly for a second. All right, Jake. Um, I finally got a chance to uh, watch uh, Moana over this this last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it came out on physical copy, and yeah. I was able to pick it up. Yeah, and uh, I absolutely loved it. Thank you. Yeah, good it, deal. It was a giant Tupperware for me, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was one of Disney's finest. All right. Okay. I want you to give your review. Yeah. And then I want you to tell me what's better, Kubo or Moana, at the end. At the end. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Before I forget. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah, this was just so great. I mean, just like everything, just classic Disney animation. Like there was probably like half a dozen moments where I like was just like swelling up on the verge of tears in this fucking movie. Yeah. Like it was just almost like too much to take at some points of it. I was just like, oh my God, this movie. (laughs) But yeah, it it was amazing. Uh, All the songs were really fucking great. Yeah. Uh, The animation was just so on point. Maybe the finest animation that Disney Studios has ever done yeah. in this movie. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And so many different, like, landscapes. I know in the trailers, like, you see just the, the ocean stuff and everything. 
But in the actual movie, they, they do so much crazy stuff, like with Forest and with the, the underground land of the monsters that they go to. Jemaine Clement. Yeah. It, the Turtle. The Turtle. Yeah, he yes. Uh, he, he does one of my – the song that he does is pretty amazing. Um, yeah. It's a total homage to uh, David Bowie mm-hmm. type it's music. It's called Shiny. Yeah, like it, it sounds like it could be like a lost David Bowie song. It's, yeah. it's pretty outstanding. Uh, the Rock is marvelous in this. Like, oh, as, isn't he? As a voice actor, <laughs> The Rock is just like spectacular. It's, he definitely has a future doing more voice acting if he, you know, ever loses his his thing, his looks, or gets too old, you know? Yeah. So he definitely has a long career in doing stuff like that, I think this proves. Um, yeah, I, I, I could just gush about this forever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the bigger thing to me is, is I'm a huge Frozen fan, and I still can't decide which of which of those I like better, mm. this this or Frozen. Mm. Oh wow! Mm. So I don't know. Mm. I think I think this is more gorgeous than Frozen, <clears throat> but I think Frozen is a little bit better song wise. If I were going to go one way or the I other, I've seen Frozen. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think I would have given this movie of the year though. I would have given it to this over Kubo. It's well, hard, it's hard not hmm. to. Well, I mean, doesn't matter what we think because Zootopia won the Oscar. Yeah, I mean, Zootopia is a great movie. I mean, yeah. but I feel like Moana and Kubo stand head and shoulders above Zootopia, in my opinion. Yeah, they ra- they rarely get that award right. I feel oh. like the animation award has been pretty spotty over the last decade. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. That was a shock that Zootopia got it over over those two. I wasn't shocked that Kubo didn't win, but I guess I am a little bit shocked that Moana didn't take it. I think Kubo yeah. should have got more love. I really oh, do. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. will champion that movie all day and all night. I just recently picked that up uh, when you told me it was on sale. I haven't got around to watching it yet, but I did buy it. If there's a sequel, are they going to call it uh, Kubo and the Three Strings? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An additional Ooh. string, gentlemen. Mind blown. Yeah. Yeah, Moana was fantastic, though. Total Tupperware. Yeah. I probably would have made it my animated move of the year, too, had I watched it. Yeah, it was I'm, mine. I'm almost glad I didn't, though. Just like you said, so we could give Kubo a little bit more love. Kubo was great. It really so, was yeah. great. Gave me a reason to bring that up. Yeah. Hey, uh... Hopner. You know, we call you Hopner. I know your last name's not Hopner. It's Hapner. It's fine. Hopner. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you got for good pop, bad pop, you son of a bitch? <laughs> uh, i got a couple things that I can <laughs> run through really quickly. Uh, but to go back to what you were saying about a feud and Mom and Dearest and all that. Yeah. Uh, Mom and Dearest, what happened to baby Jane and uh, uh, Mildred Pierce are all on uh, uh, Amazon to watch, so... Anybody who should. I actually just bought all three of them, so that's going to be my tomorrow. Thank oh, you for yeah. the recommendations. No, they're fantastic. And Mildred Pierce, for as much, like, it's fucked up. When you watch Mommy Dearest, like, you don't want to watch Mildred Pierce and enjoy her performance because the movie makes you hate Joan Crawford so <laughs> much. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch it in that order, thanks. I want to see if I can overcome that. Oh, she's so good in it, though. She's so fantastic in that Mildred <clears throat> Pierce movie. It really is, like, her shining moment. I, I believe she wins an Oscar for that, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so thanks for the recommendations on that. Um, just a quick catch-up on a couple things. Almost most of this you guys have covered already, so I'm going to blow through it really fast. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, I finally went and saw a Lego Batman High taste that. It's a lot of fun, but, you know, the message of it, I know you, Brian, hate the Lego movie, but I really love that that one's a Tupperware for me. 
because uh, it says it has a little bit more to say than Lego Batman, but Lego Batman's a lot of fun. Nothing really to complain about. Well, it. What is it saying? Like, like I want to hear what. Like, what's the fucking message <laughs> of, uh, of the Lego movie? Yeah, for like, me, for me, everything. It's about what's that the, fucking song? Everything's awesome. Everything's about, is that the message? It's about indiv- no. it's about multiple themes. Individuality is God. definitely a big one. Listen, for you. me, for me, the biggest one is, for the Lego movie is about the the relationship between. Uh, fathers and uh, their children when it pertains to a shared interest and how that age gap changes your perception of how you handle it with it because Will Ferrell's character obviously you know spoiler alert Han dies because uh, uh, he's you know got all the sets and everything and he's gluing them together wanting to stay the same because it's more of a, a model at that point than a play thing and how that perception changes over time from childhood to adolescence to adulthood and all that stuff and because I play with Legos, and I still occasionally do, so it spoke to me on that level. Um, but Lego Batman was a lot of fun, uh, so high taste on that. Saw Logan uh, with my buddy Chris. Uh, Tupperware that one. Uh, everything you guys said to a T, I agree with absolutely. Uh, except, except, except Dan. Except Dan West. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know he's not here, so. <laughs> Uh, uh, but to get on something different, uh, a quick video game one. Uh, I don't know, Frank, if you got, have uh, had a chance to play this yet, because you have a PS4, right? Yeah, I got a PS4. You probably have you, three uh, of them Have you yet, gotten uh, Horizon Zero Dawn? No, not yet. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I got to get caught up on, and yeah. honestly, I figured that if that is any good, it'll still be good in nine months when the hype's died down a bit and I can get it for half price. Instead of Good having point. to pay like eighty bucks to get it all right now to find out it's broken if it was. Yeah, so. no, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, it'll still be there, but I would definitely recommend when there's a decent price to drop on it to pick it up. Uh I think it's worth the full uh sixty dollars for it. Uh I really, really love that game. It's uh an open world semi open world, kinda like the more recent Far Cries or the uh rebooted Tomb Raider games. Mm-hmm. Uh down to like the the weapon systems and the uh combat style and the uh skill trees for leveling up and so forth. Guys, now but hold on. Lot- now that they've introduced open worlds, can you really can you really advertise a closed world? <laughs> you know, like now that they've introduced the open worlds you can't really – you can't – you know what I mean? Yeah. This time we're reining it in. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, We're going to pull back on the open world. You <laughs> if know? anything, they're trying to yeah. just get away from like linear progression type games like Final Fantasy thirteen was where you literally just travel in one direction the whole time. I was yeah. trying to make yeah. a joke and you're I'm... all being serious. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Frank. Uh, game nerd. <laughs> I mean you're both right. You're both right. I agree on both levels to one degree or another. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool story. The main character, Aloy, she's really cool and a really good uh, strong character. Uh, but the like the lore of the world because uh, basically it takes place like a thousand years in the future. Civilization had crumbled at some point in time entirely, and it's kind of back to uh, more uh, pre-industrial age stuff. So it's a lot of like stonework and ironwork and whatever. But there's these wandering like half of the wildlife are these machine animals. So like. There's, you know, mecha versions of deer and, you know, uh, tigers and shit. Uh, and kind of trying to, f- and figuring out and unraveling through as you go through the game the, okay, what happened? Why are these things here? 
uh, and just trying to unravel all the history that happened a thousand years before your character was ever even born. It's really, it's a lot of fun. It's really interesting. It's great lore. And, uh, I'm a, for game, for video games, I'm a very story driven guy. So that's what usually draws me in for it. And it's got to find out why those robot tigers are there, huh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and robot deer. Oh, and robot bunnies, I think you said. Robot deer and wild, yeah, just wildlife in general. Yeah, I mean, there's like giant giraffe things. There's what I guess would be equivalent to like, you know, a T-Rex kind of a predator situation Finally, going on. Finally, somebody's there. fucking telling this story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fascinating because you hunt these things too, uh, and they all have like really, uh, interesting, like, uh, patterns that you can track with a device and follow them and see where they're going so you can either do it stealthy or just run in and try to take them out you know face to face uh it's it's a lot of fun it's it's a really good game uh so frank if you're a story if you're interested in a story kind of a game it's a good one to pick up okay yeah i'll keep it in mind i'll check it out i'm kind of wondering like a a robotic t-rex does it still have the stubby ass little arms or would they have upgraded that shit I think they just got rid of the arms entirely. That seems like a step in the wrong direction. What if his nuts itch? I don't think he could reach them anyway. This, uh, this, uh, All right. It, has the show jumped the shark? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I spoke too soon about the de-evolution of leftovers. <laughs> yeah. I think now it's I think happening. Now, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't, like, like for a second there, I think our listeners were imagining a show of just Daniel Hopner and Frank. That's, that's where I was. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a bad, uh, vision to have. Now yeah. I've got, like, I've got a vision in my head of, like, some of our listeners just, like, putting, like, the gun barrel in their, <laughs> in, in their mouths. <laughs> and just getting ready to pull the trigger. Like, this is what my PCL has become. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. I'm envisioning that they already pulled the trigger a while ago and now it's just the audio is still playing and the corpse is just sitting lying there for a while. Yeah, I think I'll re- wow. I think Dark. I'll redecorate my wall with brain matter. I think that's what I'm gonna do. A good even coat. <laughs> oh my god, a show of Frank and Hopner? Oh no. Wow. Yeah. Wow. no thank you. Toss it anyway. <laughs> I I toss it too. Like a salad. What what rating did you give that game anyway? I don't think I remember <laughs> Tupperware. Tupperware, okay. Tupperware. Yeah. Right. Tupperware the Robot Tiger. Daniel Hopner, you know, before I forget, and I seem to forget a lot of things all the time, you have your own podcast. Go ahead and tell our listeners about it. I do. Uh, it's called Something Something Nostalgia. Uh, that was originally a placeholder name. We decided, eh, good enough, just go with it. Uh, we, you know, we review a lot of stuff from our childhood. So like from the eighties and nineties, this covers things like, uh, animated shows. Uh, the two big ones that we've done so far were, uh, uh, Batman, the animated series went through season by season. Uh, for me, we did a whole Godzilla retrospective. Uh, we just recently, these will be coming out a little bit later, but we went through, uh, Transformers Gen 1. Uh, we do movie stuff. Yeah, we do movie stuff. Uh, we do a lot of top ten lists of like our favorite action movies. Uh, the most recent episode that I just posted today that'll be up on iTunes sometime tomorrow, uh, is, uh, top ten, uh, worst film adaptations. Mm, Mmm. That's interesting. From like book to movie? Some other medium to movie, Uh, yeah. So like a book or TV show or whatever. Video game. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's one or two in there. I I'm, think. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on uh, Transformers Gen One. You know, 
Yeah, well, I'm a huge Transformers fan, and I'll be... Yeah, I know, I know if, you if are. You, if you do invite me back, I'll be back for the last night review. How cool was it? A few weeks ago, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to peel back the curtain for everybody. Um, uh-huh. Pablo Hidalgo, uh, one of the uh, story writers for uh, the, uh, the uh, Star Wars Lucasfilm movies. He's one of the story group writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he he's been drawing a different Star Wars, uh, excuse me, a different Generation One Transformers character every week. Those and have been so cool. They've been very cool, and he posts them on on Twitter. And I saw that he posted one. Was it Grapple? Uh, I think so. Or Trailblade or Trailbreaker. He's done both. I yeah. think at this point. I think it was Grapple though, and I like I, I like uh, tagged you in his tweet, and then all of a sudden, like you and Pablo Hidalgo are having like this ongoing conversation. <laughs> I was I yeah. thought that, that was so cool. I was just like I was just like I was like you know I'm a big Transformers fan, but I'm just like watching. I'm just like watching you and Pablo Hidalgo like fanboy out about Transformers, <laughs> and it was it was it was a fun exchange, dude. Yeah, today's one, yeah, he just posted one 11 hours ago, which was uh, Thrust, which is one of the uh, Jet guys. Oh, yeah. Guns. Yeah. That's awesome. So so did any of the Transformers movies or like four out of the ten movies, Transformers movies on your, ten, on your countdown list? Uh, no, because I think we just kind of blanked it. They suck moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, no, actually, I think Sneak Preview, I actually know, I believe the second one made it on the list somewhere. Oh, that's the worst one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, isn't it? Alright guys, so yeah, check out, uh, uh, Hopner's, uh, Something Something Nostalgia, throw it on your iTunes and, uh, subscribe. You know, hey, Frank, uh, have we gotten what you have for Good Pop, Bad Pop this week? No, uh, it's just a real quick one. Yeah. Uh, I had an animated movie as well. Uh, I watched Sing. The Illumination Studios. Uh, Is that with the, with the gorilla? Uh, there's a gorilla in it. Matthew yeah. McConaughey does the the voice of uh, Buster Moon. The guy. Oh, yeah, Buster Moon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sounds like a porn. <laughs> he's a koala. Buster Moon, dude. <laughs> it's uh, he's the uh, owner of a theater and it's failing, and he's is in Dark debt. Side of the Moon anal. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <Sorry>. Go ahead, Frank. <laughs> anyway, Sorry. that's right. Uh, anyway, uh, he comes up with a scheme to have a singing competition, and it, the movie's a taste. It, it's all right. I mean, a lot of you know renditions of songs we've heard before and stuff, but nothing anywhere near like Moana. What if? Or, wait, what if they did? Uh, what if they did the songs from uh, Kong Skull Island? Some credence? Would you? <laughs> would it have been a Tupperware? You were, you were digging I, that shit. I like that. I didn't Tupperware. And Tupperware. No, no, no. You love the songs, though. Oh, yeah, I like that. So if they used the same songs in this fucking <laughs> this animated movie, no. would it have been a Tupperware for you? No. All right. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think hurt it is like you've got Matthew McConaughey. I mean, he's <laughs> wow, wow! Throw, throwing some shade at Matthew McConaughey. Well, the thing is, is that I, I would have well, expected uh, one of the more. things that hurt it was uh, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean he, he was great in Kubo. Yeah, he was. Right? Yeah, yeah. he was. 
He was fantastic in Kubo. I, I haven't seen it. I don't know. Well, then fucking watch it, you son of a bitch. It, it was I, so good, I didn't realize it was him. Thank you. Oh, he wow. was so good in that movie. You're saying Matthew McConaughey's voice acting in this was a problem? Uh, not like a problem. It just didn't stand out. None, nobody oh. really stood out. Uh, it, it also has um, Reese Witherspoon, Seth MacFarlane, and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. And like with something like, say, Moana, you could tell The Rock is The Rock. You, you could tell in a lot of Disney movies like Zootopia, you could tell that um, the fox – was uh dude from Arrested Development. I can't think of his name right there. Jason moment. Bateman. Jason Bateman. Uh, I mean, it, it it's their spin on it. You can appreciate it's them doing the work. And in this, I really didn't feel like anybody stood out. It, there wasn't really any heart or anything mm-hmm. to the movie. It was right when they have the singing competition, then it's kind of over. Mm-hmm. It just kind of fell flat. I mean, I'm subjected to a lot of these kind of movies uh, because I've got a three-year-old. Don't you think the Fox should have been Michael J. Fox? Oh, that'd be great. I'm yeah, just throwing it out that'd there. I know it's meta, but whatever. Yeah, I've a seen the tra- nose. Yeah, fuck you, Hopner. I've <laughs> seen the trailers for Sing. Like, it looks like just like a a movie created to get little kids excited to sing pop songs. Like, it didn't yeah. really seem like it had much like else going for it. Right. I mean, it yeah. didn't seem like there was much of. A, I mean, there was a story to tell, but I mean, it's kind of bare bones and really simplistic. Mm. And it just did. It, 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 I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it or anything. It was That's just why I okay. taste it. Yeah. Yeah. It was just okay. It was yeah. all right. I would have expected more from the people that they had in there. But I will say one thing that I did like. Uh, um, Seth MacFarlane's character mm-hmm. sings kind of like a member of the Rat Pack. Mm. And he's got that real, real velvety baritone voice. So I did enjoy hearing him sing. That was yeah. that was pretty good. But other than that, it's just me. Okay. Another movie ruined by Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> He was great in Kubo. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. So good in Kubo. He that's, must have been in free state of Jones mode. That's why, like, when you said, when you said, like, oh, yeah, you know, you got Matthew McConaughey <laughs> and you're just kind of, like, shitting on that. I was like, dude, fucking Kubo. Oh, my God. I know you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, But that's, yeah. Oh, he was so good in that, man. So. Looking forward to watching it. Yeah. You need to watch it. Uh, Jake, I know you got one more thing left. Oh yeah, no rush. But uh, I want to talk about a couple things real quick. I, I uh, I'm getting caught up on season four of Orphan Black. Now, my problem was with watching season four of Orphan Black, which came out a year ago, is the fact that season one and season two were so phenomenal, mm-hmm. and season three was so convoluted and lackluster. Yeah, season three lost me. Season three was a rough watch. I mean, we've got they, they introduce so much. I mean, we we've, we've got who do we got? All these big corp, these big evil corporations. We've yeah. got like Topside. We've got Dyad. Then they introduce the Neolutionists. I mean, season four they introduce Brightbirth, but season three was so bad. It was so convoluted and so hard to follow. Mm-hmm. And you know, we didn't get Felix much in season three. And I love Felix in season one and season two. Yeah, he's one of my faves too. Season four is they correct the course. They correct the course. Somewhere I'd say within within three to four episodes, they've corrected the course of the problems of season three, and season four really pushes through and it pushes the story forward and it's fantastic. And I'm gonna give I'm gonna give um most of the episodes of Tupperware. There's some there's some high taste that's there. Mm-hmm. But it really pushes the season forward and it pushes the story forward. And I am I'm I, I'm I'm gonna I've got two episodes left of season four, mm-hmm. but I'm really excited for season five to come back in May. So I, I definitely I highly recommend you got to watch season three. Slogging through season three, you got to you got to you got to push through season three. But once you get to season four, 
it's going to turn around for you, okay? It's going to turn around for you, and it gets better. You get better Kasima. You get, I mean, the story of Rachel gets uh, gets better. Uh, it, Rachel, uh, she she comes back. It's it. You oh, got to watch it. Yeah, man. you got to watch it. Helena takes a little bit of a break from the series, which is interesting. You got to watch it. It's it's really fantastic. I love it. Tatiana Maslany is just doing a great job of playing all these different characters. And it's like people can say like, oh, okay, yeah. So she plays like six, seven, eight different characters in this one fucking show. Big fucking deal. I see uh, all these different actors play different characters in every movie. Mm-hmm. But she's showing up the set every day and playing a different character and doing it so well. Like, Oh, when, yeah. You believe they're separate yeah, people. When she's – yeah, exactly. You yeah. believe in their existence as e- separate people. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what makes this sh- – hey, Hopner, do you watch this show? Hopner. Sorry. Uh, no, I have not watched it yet. <laughs> All right. See, I'm, yeah, I'm glad Did I, you fall down? Or is it, I'm glad we brought, started calling your name there. Yeah. No, no, I had the mic muted for a moment. Dude, oh. you might want to look into life alert, dude. Next time you <laughs> fall down and you can't get up. Um, but yeah, it does se- happen. season four of Orphan Black, it's a return to form. It's fantastic. Uh, definitely watch. If you haven't watched the first two seasons, watch them. You're going to love them. <laughs> like Jake said, slog through season three. <laughs> oh man. I loved Orphan Black. Yes. It was like my favorite fucking shit. Yes. And then like all of a sudden season three, I'm like yes. four episodes in and I'm yes. like, Arr. dude, cause they get into the caster clones. Yeah. And that's what kills it, dude. The caster clones fucking kill this show. Cause like I thought the caster clones could be so good and they kind of ruin the show and they eliminate that Jake mm. in season. Caster is still a part of it, but like it's not as big a part of it. So. Slog through season three, get to season four. It's a return to form, and now I am pumped for season five, which is the final season. Guys, also, I watched Making History on Fox. It's the uh, new uh, comedy show uh, with Adam Pally. I'm a big fan of Adam Pally. Frank, you remember him as Max on uh, Happy Endings? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and he was also in um, The Mindy Project, and uh, he played like the uh, – the camera guy in Iron Man three. I yeah, think this yeah. guy's hilarious. I think yeah, he's, he's so great. great. He, I love him as much as I love Tyler Labine from fucking uh, Reaper and uh, uh, Sons of Tucson and uh, Dale and Tucker versus Evil. I love Adam Pally. I think he's great. This first episode was really. It's a hard watch. It was. Um, it's about. It's a guy whose father's like uh, who is into history. He he invented this duffel bag. Body like it's like a body sized duffel bag. If you get into it, it'll, it's kind of like a Bill and Ted thing where you can go back in time. So he goes back in time to like the Revolutionary War, and he's been visiting the Revolutionary War period for quite a while, and he's been uh, dating Paul Revere's daughter. And it's a comedy. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna be generous and give it a. I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna give it a low taste. It. I didn't really enjoy the first episode. I, I really didn't like it. Hmm. As much as I thought I would, but it's a series that I know what Alan, Adam Pally can do, and I know how talented and funny this guy is. That I'm going to stick with the series no matter how bad it gets. But that's just me. I know I'm not selling it right now, and I feel fucking awful for giving it this rating. But I got to be honest. As much as I love Adam Pally, I'm not going to fucking come in here and say, "Oh yeah, I'm going to give it a fucking Tupperware." I love this fucking show because I love Adam Pally. It's the first episode's rough. I'm going to see where it goes. But on the flip side, I have I have I have a lot of faith in Fox because like 
fucking uh, Last Man on Earth. Oh yeah, with Will Forte, season three, been fantastic. This last episode, I had, did you see the Kristen Wiig episode? No. There was an episode of season three. It's all Kristen Wiig. It's all Kristen Wiig, and oh, wow. it is so good. It is so good. One of the best episodes in TV I've seen all fucking year. It is so good. Like all season, season three, they've been showing this drone that's been flying over where mm-hmm. the group has been living. And we find out that this drone has been controlled by Kristen Wiig's character. Mm. Oh, wow. It is so good. I love the fact that Will Forte has such great relationships with SNL alumni that mm-hmm. he can bring in guys like Jason Sudeikis. He can bring in actresses like Kristen Wiig. And this show just gets better and better and better and better. Another show that I'm going to give praise for is Baskets Season 2. Louis Anderson, uh, Zach Galifianakis, fucking amazing. The show got greenlit for Season 3. Cannot wait for fucking Season 3. Season 2 is so fucking excellent. Yeah, this Lu- is- Louis won a um, fucking Emmy for it, right? This, it's news to me, but yeah, if if he did, it doesn't surprise me one fucking bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. This show is fantastic. Season two has been great. So happy it got greenlit for season fucking three. Cannot wait. Um, last thing I'm going to talk about here real quick, and then I'm going to hand it over to Jake, and then we're going to wrap this fucking bullshit up, is uh, I watched a documentary on HBO. It's called Tickled. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about this. Tickled. It's finally on HBO. It was uh, released originally at one of these festivals, one of the, like, Sundance or Cannes or whatever the fuck. And it's journalist David Ferrier stumbles upon a mysterious tickling competition online. As he delves deeper, he comes up against fierce resistance, but that doesn't stop him from getting to the bottom of a story stranger than fiction. This is a documentary. It is based on a true story. There is this group that there's this group that started this tickling. There's a tickling fetish. They started a tickling competition, and basically they were telling young men that we'll give you fifteen hundred dollars. We will fly you out to Los Angeles, and you will be involved in a tickling competition. And <laughs> these men film this, but. Once they film it, they get their money and they go home. Something very sinister happens to them. And any type, like, you know, if they want these videos taken down, they are met with backlash from the person that posted them. And it starts to ruin their lives. And it's based on a true story. Oh, shit. And... I hope they, I hope that, I'm gonna give it a high taste. The director, I hope the director follows up with this story. Now, if you get online, um, uh, this is called Tickled, and I think there's like a follow up. There's a follow up that's 20 additional minutes of what happens after Tickled the documentary ends, and I think it's called Ticklish or something like that. And I highly recommend that you watch that too, and it's available on HBO. But I give it a high taste. The ending wasn't as satisfactory as I wanted it to be. But I think, like, they could have a part two, and we could see where this story goes. Are, I, are both shows bundled together on the HBO thing? They're not. Okay. They're not. It's separate. It, I have, I'll have to Google and find out exactly, like, what the the 20-minute supplement is yeah. called. It's called, like, like the first one's called – the, the actual movie's called Tickled. Okay. It's, like, an hour and a half. But the supplemental 20-minute bonus is called, like, Ticklish or something. 
and I, it's it's really good. It, it's good. It deals with stuff that happened after. Yeah, I always like to see that when yeah. I watch a doc. It deals with stuff that happened after Tickled. I highly recommend this, though. It's available on HBO Go. It's available on HBO On Demand. Mm-hmm. And this show, I know it sounds ridiculous. It's about tickling competitions, but it takes, like, this sinister, weird turn. I don't want to spoil too much. It's it's one of those things, like, I feel like if I delved any more into it, I'm going to give it away. And I want people to watch this. So definitely watch Tickled on HBO. Mm-hmm. And if you watch it and send me an email about it, I would love to hear your responses. I would be happy to read those responses on this podcast. So just throwing that out there. Jake, what do you have to say? Uh, what's your last thing that um, you've got? I'm I sorry. wanted to talk about um, last week was my birthday, and Michelle bought me the Nintendo Switch to my surprise. Yeah. So Ooh. I've had a chance to uh, play the Nintendo Switch for about a week now. I also have had a chance to play the Nintendo Switch because uh, you were gracious enough to invite me over a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, we had a, our first ever Nintendo Switch party to yeah. try out some of the multiplayer stuff. Yeah. And uh, so far, I'm pretty impressed with the system. Um, it's not a Tupperware, but it, it's definitely a taste it, veering into a high taste it. Um, yeah. I think it has a lot of potential. Let me get this fucking mint out of my mouth. It's messing <laughs> up my talking. <laughs> wow! Sorry about that. A behind the scenes there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jake's got a mint in his mouth. Hey man, you know I can't smell your breath over here. Don't worry. All right, all right, good. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really impressed with the actual like hardware itself. Like the stuff feels really nice. Yeah, and it's really neat how seamless it is from being a portable system to a home console. Like they've really handled that part really nicely, from what I can tell so far. I mean, it's. You pop the thing out, and within a couple seconds, it's a portable, and you put it back in, and it's pop right on your TV. And a couple seconds later, it's pretty fucking neat for like, uh, you know, Zelda on the go. Like you take it to bed and play it for another half an hour before you go to bed without mm-hmm. even hitting the pause button or moving the console from one room to the other. It's it's a pretty nifty thing. Um, my biggest worry about it is you know software support and whether or not Nintendo, even if it's just Nintendo giving me games, are they going to give me more than two games a year? Mm-hmm. You know, and will I keep getting good games for this? But I, I, it's really nice so far. I feel like it's a little bit what the Wii U should have been. Yeah, but they just didn't have it like fully realized yet at the time. The thing about Nintendo though is like replayability. Yeah, replayability. You know, like I, I can always go back and play Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter what version of Mario Kart. I can always go back back and play Mario Kart. And I'll tell you, like I, I saw the gameplay of the the Zelda game. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Oh yeah, it's yeah, go- it's fucking gorgeous, man. And, and yeah, the music's phenomenal. Um, it, it's. It's a gorgeous game. Yeah, it's getting rave reviews. I, I haven't really had a chance to put in more than a couple hours into it, but it, it does not hold your hand at all. Like, there's, like, two minutes of introduction, and then it's boom. You're in the open fucking world, yeah. and you can pretty much run and do whatever you want. Yeah. Smacking guys and taking their weapons and hunting animals and just right away. It's, yeah. it's really neat. Um, and we played a lot of the uh, multiplayer stuff. There's a game called 1-2-Switch. Um they make you buy this game. It should have been bundled in because it's basically just a glorified demo right. of a lot of the like kind of kitschy, unique stuff you it can should do have been with like, the controllers. Like your, like your Wii Sports bundled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like yeah. your uh, what was with the Wii U, uh, Nintendo Land. Yeah, like that kind of showed off like what the new like hardware and system can do. But it's it's a lot of fun. Like if you have people over, there's like a lot of neat stuff. A lot of really goof. This is probably the most Japanese. 
Nintendo game mm-hmm. that they've ever put out in America. Yeah. I mean, because there's games where you're milking cows <laughs> and what, runway walk. Putting the baby to sleep. Putting the baby to yes. sleep. That's a great example. It's a great example. Yeah. You have to nurture your Joy-Con. Your Joy-Con we had a lot crying. of fun, though. We really did. Yeah, I we think did have a lot of fun. We did have a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, we were drinking, just having a good time. There's yeah. like quick draw competitions and table tennis. Yeah. And it's really presented in a really nice way where you can kind of try out all the games while actually playing a competitive board game. Yeah. Nintendo always does good with that kind of stuff, like on their, on their solo titles, doing good multiplayer versus modes yeah. and stuff. So yeah, I, I mean, overall, it's, it's pretty neat. I mean, Hopefully, the, the hope is, is that I beat Zelda and there's something else out there for me to play, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I got to play it a little bit, uh, too, because you brought it last week. Yeah. And I, I will give it this. I, I didn't think that, you know, at the price point that they were hitting, that I, I really felt like we were going to get something the quality of the Wii U. But it all feels real, you know, tight and like a good quality build in your hands. It's almost like Apple quality, especially yeah. when the Joy-Cons are separated, like we played that milk. Mm-hmm. And it seems silly, but in such a small device, you've got so much, like, I don't know, tactile sensation of you can feel when you're supposed to squeeze the udder. And when you're playing Pong, like, you can feel it hit. And it's a real good solid knock. The vibration really kind of helps draw you into the game. Yeah, I think it's underreported how crazy. I think Nintendo's calling it, uh, gosh, high-definition rumble technology or something goofy like that. (laughs) Okay. But it really is crazy. Like, there's a game where there's marbles inside of the controller. Yeah. And you have to actually tilt and shake the controller around (laughs) to figure out how many marbles are inside the controller. And there's obviously zero marbles inside the controller yeah. and it's all accomplished using the uh, vibration features in the yeah. controller. And it really does feel like you're rolling around a wood box with some balls in it. Yeah, it's really kind of freaky. Yeah. And one of the things too is like with the Wii and the Wii U, you had to have a motion sensor for that. Oh, the stuff. fucking the prostate check game? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Fuck it. Guys, it's a joke. Move on. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, Jesus. I'm surprised. I mean, that, it's not, it wouldn't be shocking at this point. We milked the fucking cow. <laughs> I don't but, know. I think, I sometimes I like, I think Frank is going to appreciate these jokes and then he looks at me like I'm goddamn crazy. Well, no, I was on a train of thought and that like derailed it was all. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> but, um, like, yeah, like, whereas with those games, you had the lag or whatever because it was going off of the light sensor thing. Yeah, yeah. This is really, like, one-to-one with the accelerometer. Like, me and Jake were playing ping-pong with each other, but we were looking at each other, not some figures on the oh, screen. Oh, the game, the game definitely wants you to look at each other. Yeah, yes, you, like, yeah. yeah you're oh, my God. This you're game, really no. playing ping-pong. Yeah, the fucking, uh, the Switch, it's all about you looking your, whoever the fuck you're, you're playing this with, you gotta look them in the eye. Yeah, you can't be shy to play it's once weird. you switch. It's weird. Thank God the alcohol like, comes in handy. Thank God there's like no fucking like masturbation game. <laughs> look <laughs> make in the eye. make look sure to look your opponent, opponent in the eye. eye. <laughs> look your opponent in the eye. It's fucking oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> no shit. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It, it's pretty wild though. Like and I would give one two switch like a solid taste it. Yeah. Like it, it's fun to bring out when there's like a bunch of people over and everything, but there's yeah. not much uh value to it if you're a loner with no friends. Yeah. So, oh yeah. But if, fuck, if you need to work on those muscles and practice for jacking off, it's your boy. <laughs> yeah. I did play ping pong against myself once. I, can't I don't lie. think I I don't think I I I 
pray to God that I never have like incentive to jack off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, thank God Nintendo came out with this system yeah. so I can beat my dick off. Yeah, just what you fucking need like, right. to be sad that you didn't get a perfect score. <laughs> I need to know I'm busting the best nut possible. Yeah. It, there's like the, the Family Guy episode where Peter was talking about who it like like sex is a race and whoever comes first wins. <laughs> And, and Lois is like, yes, Peter, I know you always win. <laughs> all right, guys, I think this is all we got for Good Pop, Bad Pop this week. Is that everything? Yeah, that's it. I, I'll come back with a Zelda review after I played it more for a few weeks. All right. I did have a quick question for uh, Jake about the Switch, uh, more of a hardware question. Um, cause I've heard a lot of stuff. It's like a, uh, like a, fu- it turned into a fucking Q and A. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, just real quick. Uh, uh yeah. Daniel Hopner with Fox News uh, has a question <laughs> for Jake. Yeah. I'll accept uh, this question. <laughs> MSNBC, really low quality here. Fake news. <laughs> All right. What do you got, Hopner? Uh, cause a lot of people have been saying that, um, uh, hardware wise, when they put the, uh, the pad into the, uh, the dock, that yeah, that they're scratching the screen up. Week, there's been, yeah, there's been some scratching on the screens. Have you had any of that yet? No, I've had no issue with that. Okay, cool. I didn't know if you knew about it or not. Just a heads up in case you didn't. This yeah. being said, the man also keeps his iPhone 7 out of a case. So, you know, he babies his shit. If you're rough on it, you may not want to go with that. Yeah. Well, I can see that being a problem if you're, like, being rough with it and slamming it in there and shit. But it goes okay. in there pretty easily. What are you doing? Okay. What are you doing? Like, like, like slam dunking? Like, I don't know, like, yeah, like a fucking like you performing a layup on the shit. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, what are you doing? How From you downtown. Fuck? Like, yeah, I'm angry. Well, no, it slips right in the side there. If you're not like right on the straight up and down, if you come yeah. in on an angle, you could probably scratch it. So, oh yeah. yeah, listen to you. I could see how it could be possible. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with news, you stupid fucking assholes. (laughs) (laughs) The way your dad looked at it, pop culture leftovers, was your birthright. He'd be damned if any other podcasters were going to get their greasy hands on his boy's birthright. So he hid it in the one place he knew he could hide something, his ass. Five long years he wore this podcast up his ass. And when he died of dysentery, he gave me the podcast. I hid this uncomfortable piece of audio up my ass for two years. Then, after seven years, I was sent home to my family. And now, little man, I give the podcast to you. Uh, hey, yo, what's up? We are back. Hey. Oh, yeah. Wow. Woo. The energy Woo. level in this room is just, it's off the fucking charts. It is. It is. It's <laughs> off the charts. You know, like in Godzilla when they were doing the, uh, the hollow ground tests and they saw that the, uh, the levels were off the charts. We are also getting off the chart levels here on Pop Culture Leftovers with the enthusiasm in this room. <laughs> I had to take your word for it. I've never, <laughs> never seen it. Uh, what did I say? Did I say Kong? Or no, I said Godzilla. Godzilla. Oh. Fucking Kong, Skull Island, when they did the hologram test. Oh. I keep saying Godzilla. I've unfortunately <laughs> seen that. Yeah. So, all right, guys, we're going to move into the pop culture leftovers news. Yeah, 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 read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, starting us off in gangsters fuck news, we got uh, two season two renewals 
First off, I want to say Taboo gets a fucking season two order. Wow, nice. It's happening. We're going to get to see what happens in Taboo season two. Cannot fucking wait. And I'm call- I'm coming back with Talking Taboo. Yeah, I was going to ask, does that also mean a renewal, a season two renewal of Talking Taboo? You bet your fucking ass. I love this show. <laughs> I fucking love this show. So I'm coming back to fucking uh, recap season two of Taboo. Uh, we also get... CW has ordered a second season of Riverdale. There you go. There you go. Uh, More Riverdale. More Riverdale. Cannot wait. So excited. All right, guys. Uh, Terminator 2 is going to get a uh, 3D release in theaters, and it's August 25th of this year. Uh, I will be there. I cannot wait. I haven't seen this movie in the theater in 26 years the last time I saw this, I was 13 years old, and I was watching it with our former co-host, Jay. That's awesome. Me and him as 13-year-old boys were watching Terminator 2 in the theater. So I cannot wait to see this get a 3D re-release. This is fantastic fucking news. Yeah, and uh, I, the, like James Cameron did such a good job with the uh, 3D re-release of Titanic, like as far as the 3D rendering went, that mm-hmm. I yeah. bet this is going to look really good. Yeah, yeah. Hotner, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, I tend to not like things when they're re-released in theaters in 3D, but it is T2, which is one of the greatest action movies of all time, so yes. I'll be there. Fantastic. That's great. That's great. Frank? Oh, I'm willing to bet this is going to be stellar. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I will. Hell yeah. Hell fucking yeah, dude. I Hopefully cannot Hopefully there's some here. free swag, some Terminator swag. Yes. For that one night only <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah. I'm interested yeah. to see the turnout on this because I remember when I first saw T2 in theaters, yeah. there was no room in the seats. I literally had to sit on the floor of the theater to watch it. Wow. That's yeah. funny. Yes. And I never got to see it in theaters because I was like, what, six years old? Well, maybe ten. Yeah. So I didn't get to see it in theaters. Yeah. It was 1991 mm-hmm. when it came out, so – uh, guys, I've got a lot to say about this next story. I don't know if you guys read this. Jake, I'm guessing you have, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Remember, you guys remember those uh, choose-your-own-adventure books? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love them. Oh, yeah. I love them, too. I had, uh, I don't know about you, Hopner, but I had some of the, uh, did you, did you have any of the, uh, I know you're a big Transformers fan. Did you have a, tra- did you have any of the uh, Transformers choose-your-own-adventure books growing up? No, I didn't even know those existed. Yes, really? yes, they do. Um, look them up on eBay. They might be there. Just give them a Google. But Transformers had their own line of choose your own adventure books. Yeah. Wow, yeah, I did I not know that. I had a, I had quite a few choose your own adventure books, but they were all um, kind of a generic brand thing where it's like this one's in space, this one's the deep sea thing, this one is a whatever a haunted theme park or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I had I had a bunch of those too. I had a bunch of your standard ones. Did you get a text message from the Power Rangers? Just there? I did. That was my buddy. <laughs> okay, cool. Just checking. Anyway, I had a bunch of like the choose your own adventure books, but I also had the Transformers line. I had like two or three of those and I, I loved them. I thought they were fantastic. But anyway, Netflix starts working. They are starting to work on a technology that will allow viewers to decide how the story unfolds via their remote. So, guys, here are the bullet points. Netflix is to consider new interactive storytelling technology via their TV dramas. Next bullet point, the TV streaming company will make actors film alternative plot segments. Viewers at home would be able to decide the fate of the protagonists. (laughs) <laughs> and 
Netflix president Reed Hastings said, once you have got interactivity, you can try anything. The story goes on to say whether you love happy endings or – hold on, hold on. I just lost my place, guys. I apologize. Whether you love happy endings or a harsh blast of reality in TV dramas, you could soon be able to decide what you get. Netflix, the TV streaming company behind hit shows such as The Crown and House of Cards, is working on ways to give viewers control of the key plot decisions. Some of the storylines will be simple and linear, like the choose-your-own-adventure books many grew up with. For example, viewers might decide whether an inmate in the prison drama Orange is the New Black joins a new gang or not. The technology could also potentially be used to allow Princess Margaret to marry Peter Townsend in The Crown instead of having uh, God damn it, my fucking notes. Jesus Christ. Instead of having her uh, relationship with the divorce blocked by the establishment. Basically, whatever. You get the, you get the chance to f- choose your own fucking adventures in, uh, in, a, in a Netflix series. Oh. Yeah. I, I've got a lot to say about this. Yeah. Number one, I fucking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Can I throw that out there? I fucking hate it. Yeah, it's 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 not gonna work. But yeah, number number two, I think it works if you're doing this with uh, children's programming. Yeah. Yeah. This works with children's programming. Like if you had a show called like uh, Billy the fucking Caterpillar Fuck Nut, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Perfect day for a kid show. Is he going to go down the left path or the right path? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you know, like, what, what's Billy the Caterpillar going to do? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got leafy greens on the left-hand side, but on the flip side over here, we got fucking uh, whatever, another Caterpillar buddy he can hang out with. You know what I mean? And they can, they can go on these fucking bullshit adventures. Yeah, those bullshit uh, – those bullet points are way too ambitious, like – it's never going to be like they describe. Like, you have complete control over what genre yeah. and outcomes and what the characters no, do. I want the storyteller to be able to give me their fucking story. I right. don't want to be like, well, you know what? I want to see this character do this thing, so, you know, blah, blah, blah. Especially with their established projects. Yeah. House of Cards, <sighs> The Crown, Orange is the New Black, Stranger Things. Right. No, I want the Duffer brothers to be able to tell me what unfolds in the Stranger Things story. I don't want to be able to control like what Will does when he's in the Upside Down. No. I don't want to be able to fucking control what Eleven does, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, oh, it is Eleven going to eat the waffle or is Eleven <laughs> going to fucking not eat the waffle? Hotner, go, go ahead, man. It seems like a really weird thing the way they would kind of promote it is, yeah, taking established series that they already have – and try and giving you the idea that like you'll have alternate ways in which those stories can go down as opposed to trying to make brand new programming. That's why it seems like they're promoting it based on the press junket you're saying. And that's a really not yeah, exactly. It's not a good idea to be going down that route with those kind of pre established series where we it's clearly narrative driven. We have an idea of where we're going with. There's good story here. Why fuck around with that? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do that, yeah, make it some fucking 
children's programming or some yeah kind of generic choose your own adventure yeah. bullshit that's not a existing ip that's yeah, weird billy, billy the caterpillar fuck nine yeah <laughs> let, <laughs> let him choose his own adventure frank uh, uh jake i'm sorry i don't Trademark think it works Ryan. either way whether you're trying to do it with the crown and ors is the new black or whether you're trying to do it with a new ip i i think that suffers too because you get a lot of shitty phoned-in acting in this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When you're having yeah. the same actor have to act out four or five different outcomes, yeah, like it all suffers because you don't. Yeah. He doesn't have one motivation to who his character is or what his character is. Right, and so really good point. You see, just you're going to see really terrible acting in these kind of things. So uh, this has not been 100, uh, percent you know, given the thumbs up by Netflix. This is something that they're kind of experimenting with. I just think this goes into crazy experimental territory with Netflix. I, I understand, like they've done some great things for television. Yeah, they really have for streaming services in general. And I feel like most of the streaming services are trying to model themselves after Netflix. I think this is where it ends. I don't think that like Hulu <laughs> should like jump in on this. I think Hulu should like take advantage of this like if netflix is going to put their resources into this hulu should just focus on great programming yeah really good programming that way they can get the edge over netflix because i think netflix is kind of like putting their resources into something i think is destined to fail yeah Yeah. think about this like guys like i was a big fan of the show how i met your mother when it first came out i thought it was a great show i love the characters of ted and i loved colby smolder's character you know Mm -hmm. i i love jason seagal in this show i thought it was fantastic now what did that show do towards the end of its run they started listening to their audience Mm -hmm. their audience wanted certain things to happen with certain characters and so they started to uh, basically bend to their audience's wishes and they started to make things happen in the show that the audience wanted. And I felt like the, it actually suffered yeah, when they started you to never do- cater to your audience. Exactly. Like and this is yeah. 100% catering oh, yeah. to where like, you know, I might want something to happen in a show. And if I actually am given the control over what happens in a show and I'm actually getting what I want, it might not be what I want when I get done with it. Mm. And I might not revisit that show to see like a different outcome. And it doesn't mean anything. The show doesn't mean anything at that point if you are giving – if you're – Given different outcomes. Yeah, there's no stakes. There's right. no stakes. And a yeah. good story takes everything into account, a character's background, their motivation. Right. And then the impact of whatever big decision happens has upon them, that also is part of the story. Yeah. And when you disjoin it like this and have a either-or kind of scenario, like you said, you think you know what you want yeah. until you get it, and then it just – it's a pile of shit. Like this episode. Like if I could go back to – be- <laughs> hold on. Like if I could go back to the beginning of this episode and we could have it without Hopner. Like, <laughs> how good would this episode be? Like, this might be the best episode of Pop Culture Leftovers ever. <laughs> having... It would definitely be better. For <laughs> <laughs> if having... you want to continue without Hopner, turn to page 72. <laughs> <laughs> or fast forward yeah. however long from now. I think we've got to be by page 150 at this point. <laughs> <laughs> they made a real bad mistake going Hopner? Yes, please. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I just I think Netflix right now they they're on top and they're trying to experiment with new things, but I think that they're putting their resources and by resources I mean their money that they're mm-hmm. garnering 
from their original programming. I think they're putting it into the wrong places. Netflix loses – guys, I'm not kidding you. By not having ads like Hulu does, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Netflix loses at least $2 billion every year. Oh, yeah. That's why they bumped us all like a buck fifty just a little bit ago. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. But – by not having those ads and things like that, they've been able to give us great content. Yeah. They really have. And soon we'll be able to choose that content uh, and say what it does. Fuck <laughs> my life. I toss this. I toss yeah. this. I, I, there's, I cannot toss this anymore. Like if you have a lazy mind, if you have a lazy mind and you don't care and you just want to watch mm-hmm. – I'm sorry if I'm insulting people. If you have a lazy mind and you don't care – about um, story, if you don't care about vision, then this is this is the programming that you want. Yeah, if you I just, think it could be cool as a one-time only novelty. Well, it, it's cool for children's programming. You'd have to have given the remote to your story. kid interactivity with your child. Watching your child be able to choose their own story is cool. That's why choose your own adventure books aren't marketed towards adults. For the most case, <laughs> I, they might have choose your own adventure books for adults now, but as when they originally came out, they were for fucking children. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't have adult choose your own adventure books for the most part. For the, I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure it exists. There's game books like the Lone Wolf books and but stuff I'm not, like but, that. Hey, hold on. Yeah. On the flip side, I'm not talking about like this shit's not blowing up. Shit's not blowing up. I'm not like fucking reading like another, a new article about a choose your own adventure for, uh, for, uh, for adults. Like, oh my god, 50 shades of gray, uh, 50, you know, 50 alternative shades of gray where you get to choose your own, uh, shade. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like the <laughs> only. <laughs> <laughs> choose, choose, your, choose, your, choose your shade adventure. <laughs> how kink do you want this? <laughs> yeah, how dark do you want that gray? Right. Hey, hey do you want to do you want to use the uh, crap of nine tails, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or do you want to or do you want to use the ball gag in yeah. this scenario? Do you want to spank the left cheek? Do we need a safe word? Right? Oh, it's the cat of nine tails. Anyway, whatever. Why not all of the above? Why am I using a fucking device that they use to torture Jesus <laughs> as a sexual tor- as a sexual Device. Hey man, you're into what you're into. <laughs> Everybody's got a king. Yeah. No, it's a safe zone. No, yeah. no questions asked. Fair enough. All right, Jake. Um, guy, I lost my train of thought with that. Uh, I was thinking one way. I guess like just I'm just trying to think of a way you could make this idea work. Okay? okay. Okay. And I think maybe a way you could make it work is if you did it like a one shot. Yeah. And it was like a murder mystery where you weren't completely in control of whether things were going to go great or bad. Hi, I'm a fucking video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but with actual – with actors and on Netflix. Uh, I'm I'm just yeah. trying here. I know. I was going to say video games are well-traveled care, uh, categories with this. Uh, yeah. Bioware has uh, yep. Mass Effect and Dragon Age. Hopner and I yeah, were Yeah, why not just there. play the video game right. then? I'm thinking like Ace Attorney but with actual like actors. And, well, I mean th- those are uh-huh. good. Examples of stories that suffer badly from ambiguous decisions. Like anything that you've done in the past really doesn't carry any weight because of how many decisions. Is this news to you guys? Did you guys read this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You did? Okay, fair enough. I hadn't heard this. You hadn't heard it, Hopner? All right. No. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I would imagine, though, that uh, when they say they're experimenting with it, Odds are that it's kind of just a, they're kicking it around. It's like very preconception at the earliest stage of like pre, pre-production idea. And I'd wager no more than nine months from now that 
you know, we're never going to hear about abandon this it. Yeah, abandon it. it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't think they're. I don't think they're spending a lot of money on it yet. I think it's just an idea. They're like, hey, let's put it out there as All like right. an idea and see what you know customer react or you know what uh, the reaction is from the public and whatnot. All right. So let's hey, assume this goes away. Let's put some remotes in some test audiences and see what they have to say about this experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's get a very diverse group of people from your movie buffs to your casual television viewers Mm -hmm. and let's Mm -hmm. see how they stack up Mm -hmm. and hopefully netflix will realize that this is a bullshit model and they should abandon this because i think it's a waste of money and you definitely should not do this with established shows oh oh no that'd be that would be poison. Like yeah. House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, The Crown, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Oh, God. If you do the, the Duffer Brothers, if they say that we're going to do this with Stranger Things, the Duffer Brothers need to fucking say, you know what? Sayonara, motherfuckers. We're yeah. out of yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, Fuck they would off. walk for sure. They I'm need sure. to walk. <laughs> they need to walk. Guys, let's move on. We all believe it's, we all agree it's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. do you guys, did you ever watch the movie Overboard with Goldie Hawn? Oh, yeah. One of my favorites. Kurt Russell. All right. Well, apparently they yeah. feel like this is, uh, this is worthy of a reboot. And, um, Anna Ferris is in talks to be the female late, female lead with uh, Eugenio Derbez, uh, from Miracles from Heaven, which I have no, I, I have no fucking clue what Miracles from Heaven is. You know, a miracle from Heaven is that this guy is even being mentioned <laughs> in this fucking movie. Another miracle from Heaven is that they're even talking about fucking rebooting this gorgeous, this glorious fucking comedy from the 80s. Yeah, just re-release it in the theaters. Just yeah. re-release this movie in the fucking theaters. Uh, my question to you is, like, they've got Anna Ferris in talks for this fucking movie to play the Goldie Hawn role. Mm-hmm. Why not just get her fucking husband, Chris Pratt, yeah. to play the role of Kurt Russell's that, character? That makes perfect sense. Just like they did it in the original. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, anyway, and it's I not... I might actually give a fuck about seeing it. Yeah. Way, it's not... <laughs> It's not considered a reboot. I guess it's not. It's considered a reimagining because they are going to play some role reversal. Uh, Eugene, exactly. I agree, Hopner. Honestly, like if that was like my review, my official review, if they gave me the opportunity to review this on like Rotten Tomatoes, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but Eugenio Derbez is going to be playing the spoiled playboy who is tricked into thinking he's the husband of a working class mother after a boating accident leaves him with amnesia. This is role reversal from the original, yeah. which Goldie Hawn was the spoiled, you know, uh, she was the rich elite woman and he was the uh, blue collar, Kurt Russell was the blue collar. Oh, it's a totally worker. different concept and why are you complaining? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Oh, Jake. Oh, my God. Listen Pulling to out the vanilla ice defense. No, no. Listen to Choose Your Own Adventure Jake. <laughs> Choose Your Own Adventure Jake. It's a completely so different movie. They've got uh, Bob Fisher from We're the Millers and Rob Greenberg from How I Met Your Mother. They've been tapped to write and direct the film. Um, I toss this. I toss this so fucking hard. Overboard is such a fantastic movie. It's a movie that I have revisited within the past six months. Yeah. I love this movie. I, 
I've seen this. I, I grew up with this movie. Mm-hmm. I've watched it over the years many times. It holds up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The child actors in this are hilarious. When we I'm, see her family for the first time, it's, yes. it's like heartbreaking. And, you know, it's one of those movies where I'm thinking they're going to give it the uh, National Lampoon's vacation treatment. Like, we uh, saw the va- – yeah, the vacation mm-hmm. reboot. I feel like that's where they're going to go with this one. Mm-hmm. You know, the only saving grace is if they they, they say, uh, Eugenio is gone and we got Chris Pratt to do this. But you know what? Chris Pratt is smart enough – to smell bullshit <laughs> and he's like you know what i'm gonna stick to guardians of the galaxy i'm gonna stick to better projects i'm not gonna do this shit yeah. i'm gonna let my fucking wife flounder in this garbage Jurassic film universe you know what Jurassic <laughs> world made a shit ton of fucking money i'm not making fun i loved it i thought it was fantastic so good for him He's making some great choices. No matter what you thought about that last movie that he did, what was that movie? Passengers. Passengers. I loved it. I really. I just came out on digital. I'm gonna get it. I enjoyed I it. Too. I really enjoyed it. Most people hated it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Anyway, this is a horrible idea for a reboot. So yeah. fuck you, Hollywood. <laughs> fuck it goes you. beyond the whole idea of the original being sacred. You can't duplicate that chemistry. No, you can't. You yeah, can't. that's a good point. You can't. You maybe can't. with her and Pratt. Maybe, maybe with her and Pratt, but you're not going to do it with Eugenie. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to need a, a genie, an actual genie. The fucking, we're going to have to rub a lamp. Yeah, I'm and, not wasting a wish on an overboard. No reboot. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Eugenio can get lost. Exactly. That's where I'm going, man. Fuck that noise. Anyway, yeah. guys, I got some really heartbreaking news. Jake, this is heartbreaking news for me and you because we're fans. Uh. It's always sunny in Philadelphia news. Oh man! Oh, guys, do you like do you like, do you watch the show? Uh, I have, I'm catching up on I'm a couple seasons behind, but I love the show. Okay, Glenn Howerton, who plays Dennis, may leave the show. Yeah, uh, or he won't. I, we don't know, guys. The, the, I watched the season finale. It aired last week, and uh, the season finale it really left it kind of up in the air. He says at the end of the season finale, he's leaving the bar. He's leaving. He says he's gone. And I was like, okay, whatever. You know, it's just part of the show. And mm-hmm. season 13 will come back and I'll get more, you know, fucking uh, great stories from, you know, you know, him, you know, Dennis and Dee and Mac yeah, and Charlie. Yeah. Uh, they'll come back. Well, it's weird how the episode actually ties into these statements by Glenn Howerton. And he says, so it's a little complicated. I may seem a little bit evasive here. And I don't mean to. It's not entirely certain whether I am returning or am not. I might be, I might be, but I might not be. That really is the truth. Just to be clear, to dispel any potential weirdness, it has nothing to do with my relationship to anyone on the show or Rob or Charlie or anyone like that. It's partially a creative and personal decision. We may be taking an extended hiatus between seasons 12 and season 13. So I'm certainly staying open to the possibility of doing more, but there is a possibility that I will not. Man. And this broke my fucking heart when I read this this morning. I love this show. I have watched this show from season one when it came out. I watched it live. Like, I didn't watch this, like, in reruns. I was watching this shit live on FX. Mm Mm-hmm. 
as it came out. And I love this show. The first season did not have Danny DeVito. It wasn't like – it didn't need to bring Danny DeVito in to get my attention. Mm-hmm. I loved this season from fucking season one. I love this fucking show. And for him to have these statements, it really has me worried that we might not get a proper season fucking 13. And so Glenn Howerton, I found out, like, I don't know what the reason is. I hope that there's not, like, a fallout between him, Charlie Day, and, you know, the rest of the cast. Yeah, the personal creative stuff is like, oh, oh man, what's he talking about there? Because season 12 has taken some risks. It really has. Like, they really went out there. They really went out there, and they did some things in season 12. Jake, once you watch season 12, you're really going to be impressed. Like, there's there's a lot of payoff in season 12. There's a lot of things that they've set up in previous seasons, and it's really paid off in this season. It's really good. You'll love it. That's wild. Yeah, I, and this is one of those kind of shows, though, that, I mean, it can't, it like, very much like Curb Your Enthusiasm, it, yes. could, it could take a hiatus yeah, and know. come back. I mean, I that's not what you want, but I guess that's best case scenario from what we're hearing. Yeah, it's best case scenario. One of the, one of the issues of it not returning might be the fact that Glenn Howerton and Pat, oh, my phone is talking. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, less of that. Um, <laughs> it's over there. I'm sorry. Where is it? Is Did it ask you what's up, dog? Oh, it says hi, Jake, dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> it got lonely over there. In I'm what sorry. circle are you called Jake, dog? And why do we not call you Jake, dog? <laughs> I feel free. All right. I have right. my phone call me. What up, JD? <laughs> JD. JD in the motherfucking house. <laughs> oh, excuse me. JD in the motherfucking <laughs> doghouse. Anyway. Um, so uh, Glenn Howerton, I found out recently... Him and Patton Oswalt are going to be starring in an NBC comedy pilot from writer Mike O'Brien and executive producer Seth Meyers. Mm. And uh, Variety has talked about that. And it was formerly titled, uh, formerly titled AP Bio. Uh, the entitled project is about a hilariously cynical Ivy League professor who loses out on his dream job and goes to work as a high school biology teacher where he imposes his unorthodox teaching style and uses the kids to plot out revenge on those who wronged him. Howerton will play the lead biology teacher named Jack, and Oswald will play the role of Principal Durbin. I happen to believe that maybe this has something to do with it. NBC is probably going to pay him a lot more than FX will. Mm, as yeah. far as it being like a, you know what I mean? It's one of the big three, NBC, ABC, CBS. Yeah, it could be a money thing. Maybe he just is not yeah. happy with the money that he's getting from FX. Right. Mm. Well, that would suck if that's why. I mean, he's pretty much established a brand that he's created, you know? Well, I think, I, I think, Hopner, I, I think, I think, Hopner, you got, you're probably going to say the same thing, but isn't It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia kind of like a labor of love and him just hanging out with his friends? Yeah, it seems to be that all the behind-the-scenes stuff uh, would indicate. So uh, it might just be a matter of making sure that he kind of wants to keep it loose for the moment and see what the if uh, the pilot gets picked up for a full season and yeah. seeing what the production schedule of that might conflict with when they come back from a hiatus or not. Right. So, you know, it's probably going to be a wait-and-see. Yeah. yeah. You can't let a labor and love get in the way of, of a career move. 
of something that's going to better yourself financially, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. I mean, like, they. The, the thing is, though, Jake, is that It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not like a 20-episode season. Like, they've been doing 8 to 10 episodes. Yeah. I would hope that, you know, think about it this way, guys. Like, it's – Danny DeVito is up there in years. It's mm-hmm. not like Danny DeVito is going to – I don't care what happens. After It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia ends, yeah. Danny DeVito is never going to do anything else like this. Danny DeVito has had a great fucking career. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. He's had Taxi. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, Taxi's fantastic. I don't care how fucking old you are. You can go back and watch Taxi – with Charlie Kaufman, Judd Hirsch, Danny DeVito. That is a great series. Yeah. And it still is and it still holds up. I love Taxi. Danny DeVito has done other great things. Twins, mm-hmm. Batman Returns. Danny DeVito is a iconic comedy legend and he's still alive. Danny DeVito, no matter what happens when this wraps up, Danny DeVito will never have another role like this. Oh, never. Yeah. This is good. This is perfect for Danny DeVito. And the fact that he gets to work every day with his friends. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. was friends with these guys before he did this. They're friends. He gets to work with Charlie Day, who's <sighs> his friend. He gets to work with these people. And it's just sad that like he can't commit to coming. It, it just makes me pause and wonder why he's not coming back. Is it a problem with FX getting involved in this? I, and I can't, I had that, I have a hard time believing that FX is having a problem with the content that they're producing on this. Guys, I just watched Taboo, which dealt with basically Tom Hardy fucking his sister in this series. There's a lot of incest going on in this show. I watched Feud and we had a fucking studio executive calling Joan Crawford a cunt. <laughs> In that first episode. Yeah, they dropped the C word. Holy shit. Yeah, they dropped the C word in that first episode. So I can't see that FX is not letting them do what they want to do. In that, in this 12th season, Jake, they've dropped the F bomb. Yeah. I don't, what's the, I don't understand. Maybe it's something to do with maybe they don't want him to be the lead on an NBC sitcom. Maybe there's, they don't want that kind of thing. I mean, I'm just throwing. But they let Charlie Day fucking headline these fucking horrible bosses movies. Yeah. They let him be in fist fight with Ice Cube. Yeah. Of course. But it's another sitcom, you know? I, I'm just... they, well, tra- well, he was also in uh, FX's uh, first season of Fargo, Glenn Howerton was. Yeah, but that's another FX show. Yeah, but what I, – yeah, I, I don't see – okay, well, I have to see who the studios were for <laughs> – Fist fight and who the studios were for horrible horrible bosses. If it was Universal, well, that is NBC. Are these both Fox studios? No, I hear that. Ar- or- I hear that argument, but I think that the movie side's a bit different than having him do exactly the same format of show that he's doing here over there. Well, I, I suppose. I mean, I guess we got you know the D. She, uh, I can't remember her name. Right off the top of my head, she's doing the Mick, which is also on Fox. Yes. I, yeah. I, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Hopner. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I do kind of got to agree with Jake on that because movies, um, you're not uh, TV is not directly competing against them. This would be a different, uh, a main broadcast uh, studio or a company that 
he'd be headlining on that could then, depending on where they put it on the release schedule for the week, yeah. could be direct time slot competition with uh, FX shows, uh, maybe some of their headlining ones, and that could, they might be worth their drawing viewership. He, him jumping over to this would be drawing viewership away from FX, and that could be, because movies, yeah, you're not directly competitioning with them, because that's box office, that's yeah. whatever. That's yeah, Fox and thing. NBC are direct sitcom rivals. Ah, fuck. Those that's studios true, yeah. were varied, too. Horrible Bosses was uh, New Line, yeah. and uh, Fist Fight was Warner Brothers. Okay. Yeah, but I like like Hopter's saying, and what I'm saying, I, I don't think the movie thing matters, so it's not direct competition right. to what they're trying to do. It's not taking away the 8 p.m. sitcom audience yeah. with the guy that's in your other show. Well, I'm pissed yeah, off. Yeah, your, your movie audience tends to not be big on a Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Well, you know what? I'm pissed off at both studios then because if you're a fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you're going to fucking tune into NBC yeah. to support yeah, Glenn sure. Howerton. Yeah. And if you're a fan of fucking what Glenn Howerton's doing on this new NBC show, then maybe it's going to generate some interest into catching up on all 12 seasons of fucking It's Always in Sunny in Philadelphia. I'm fucking pissed off that it's affecting what's going on over at FX. And what I'm saying, I, I, I have no idea what's really going no, on. No, no, no. Yeah. But no, I, I, I listened to your point. I fucking was dismissive of it at first. Yeah. Hopner chimed in, and now I'm fucking in agreement because this definitely could be the case. This makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah, and it does suck. That it is, does fucking I, I suck. Agree with you that, yeah, it's if that is if what we're suggesting could be the case is the case, and yeah, that it sucks that the the quality or that his commitment to a show and a love project like Always Sunny could be compromised and possibly then dropped because of studio meddling. I mean, yeah. that, that's the fucking worst. No, and it's great because it's like we've seen. We've seen, uh, you know, other characters from this show go on and do bigger and better things. Charlie Day mm -hmm. is fucking, uh, killing it in the movies. Horrible yeah. bosses. Horrible bosses too. Fist fight. Mm -hmm. He's doing some great things. And then we've seen, you know, like, uh, D, we've seen her go on to do, you know, the Mick, which I think is great. And guys, it got greenlit for a season two. Mm -hmm. If you're not watching the Mick, you definitely need to be watching it. Fucking hilarious. Also, Glenn Howerton, you know, he did Fargo. He did Fargo season one. And he was really good in it. But, like, why can't this guy go on and do something else? Like, he's going to get more exposure, guys, on an NBC television show if mm -hmm. it takes off. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Probably his entire point. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. okay, we could watch the pilot and it could really turn us off. It could suck. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, like, this couldn't be – this could be our next fucking, like, Big Bang Theory, which – that show has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse mm -hmm. with each season that it's come out with, and it's almost unwatchable now. I haven't watched it in a couple of years. This could for, be like for me, it didn't start off as watchable, but yeah, that's <laughs> and and that's fair, and I, I totally get that. For me, on the flip side, like when I first started watching it, I was like, okay, I, I like this. I think this is fun. There's nothing like this that I've never seen anything so mainstream support like you know the geek culture. <clears throat> but now, as I've gotten more and more into it. I don't always agree with their view on geek culture. Yeah, it drives me crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. So so I'm ready for that show to wrap up. A show yeah. that I'm not ready to wrap up is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is a labor of love and friends getting together and having fun and fucking around 
and ad-libbing and having a great time. Just like the show The League, this is like right there. Like this is a great show. And I don't want to see FX and NBC's feud affect – yeah, I'm bringing up feud again. But <laughs> I don't want to see their fucking feud with one another affect this great show. We've talked about this a little too long, longer than I thought we were going to talk about it. <laughs> but – it's a good discussion. It's a great discussion. Yeah. It's a great discussion for the people that give a shit. For the people that don't give a shit, I don't give a shit. Fuck, Fuck off. off. <laughs> right. Yeah, Jake, me and you, you know what? We're on the same page. We are the exact opposite of NBC and Fox right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah, yep. exactly. NBC and Fox should be working together to support each the, other. Each other. And Cooperative symbiosis. His success Boom. should mean good things for both of them. Exactly. We'll let Hopner go on whatever podcast he wants after this. Exactly. <laughs> you know? No, I've been on here. I can't do my own anymore. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, man. It's one or the other. <laughs> yeah, yep. so uh, if, you're, if you're a fan of It's Always in Sunny in Philadelphia, um, I'm going to have my fucking ear to the train track, and I'm going to be listening. I'm going to be checking – Articles all the time to find out if we're going to get a season 13 and we're going to get in on time. Because nice. I I love this show. Can we replace DC News with Sunny News? Oh, you know, <laughs> Jake, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Guys, we're gonna, you know what? We've been taking a lot of breaks, but I'm going to take this break so we can come back and do Marvel News. Because I've got, I've got, to, I've got to take a leak. How about that? <laughs> How professional is that? That your host tells you that he's got to take a piss. You know what I mean? At least you didn't it's do it the, in a bucket on air. It's definitely not the most unprofessional thing that's happened on this podcast. Hey guys, I got a fl- I got a full bladder. You know, <laughs> I appreciate the candor. You do? Yeah. I you know everything I do, I do it for Hopner. <laughs> you know, I'm like Brian Adams. Everything I do, I do it for I you. Just think, I was thinking that in my head. When you said <laughs> yeah. That. No, this is my Three Musketeers moment for Hopner. Everything <laughs> I do, idea. I do it for Hopner. Shouldn't do that. I did though. I took it there. <laughs> And I'm not taking it away. There's no takeaway. Well, thank you. I'm not reeling it back. I'm actually pushing it forward. I'm doing it for you, Hopner. No, I'm rambling. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back, you assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, did you did you wake up this morning and think to yourself, you know what? You know what I want to do? I want to give I want to give some money, hard earned money away, to three assholes so they can do a stupid podcast every week. Yeah, money's burning a hole in my pocket. Where can I? Where do I put all this money? I'll just give it to three dicks. Yeah, if that was your thought process this morning, number one, there's something wrong with you. Number two, Pop Culture Leftovers has started a Patreon where you can donate to our show. It's really simple. Go to patreon.com forward slash pop culture leftovers starting out as simple as one dollar a month we'll thank you on the show you get us one dollar a month that's twelve dollars a year who can't afford that every one of our listeners did that that would be amazing is that gonna happen fuck no anyway moving on there's also rewards where you can get your own personalized audio bumper like the ones that we play here on the show that's pretty awesome that right there should be enough for you to sign up for our patreon oh wait that's not enough you're just a spoiled little shit aren't you you gotta have more, don't you? All the time, more with you. Uh, we have a reward where you can Skype chat with the leftovers, and that could be played on the show as a bonus episode. Wait, hold, wait, that's not enough? Seriously, fuck you at this point. We also have a reward where you get to be on a full episode with the leftovers. That's right. 
we get to talk to your boring ass for a full episode. <laughs> uh, there's all, hey, hold on, that's not it. There's also another reward, and this is exciting, where you get to co-host with me on a brand new podcast that I'll launch. Uh, this is our masochist reward level. You really have to be in order to want to podcast with me. So check out all the rewards on patreon.com. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash pop culture leftovers. Some of the rewards are limited. Not that I'm expecting them to sell out or anything like we did the moment we started this Patreon. Hey guys, we're back and it's time for uh, it's time for Marvel news. We gotta jump into some Marvel news here. Marvel news. All right, guys. Okay. Uh, Fox has had two successful R-rated movies. Uh, some people are saying, you know, like they're going, and eh, Fox is just going to start making R-rated movies now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> R-rated superhero content. That's what Marvel's, uh, that's what Fox is all about now. So, you know, we saw Deadpool, huge, huge. We saw Logan, huge. Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Flaccid. So, guys, so everybody's saying, like, yeah, yeah, Marvel, they're going to be, uh, uh, Fox, excuse me, Fox is going to be like our R-rated superhero fucking studio. Hold your fucking horses. X-Men producer Simon Kinberg said this recently. I think that each movie, we figure out what the story is. Then we figure out the requirements of the story. And if the requirements of the story are R-rated, it's R-rated. We don't go into movies saying, this one's going to be R-rated. This one's going to be PG-13. We don't make those decisions before we make the decisions of the story. My instinct is that Deadpool Universe, which is Deadpool 2 and potentially X-Force, they require being R-rated because that's just Deadpool's voice in the comic and it's Deadpool's voice in the movie so far. I think audiences would be disappointed if they got a PG-13 Deadpool movie. So my easy bet would be Deadpool 2 is R-rated. And most movies within that sort of shared but separate universe would be likewise. I agree with these statements. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, make the movie and you give the rating that the movie needs. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't give the rating first, right? And then right towards the rating, right? Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah that's how storytelling is supposed to be. Is if you come up with an idea, you make the story, and then whatever it receives is what the fuck it receives. Yeah, yeah. our rating's not going to fix everything, and our rating's not going to fix Fantastic Four <laughs> and make it a viable franchise. That's, right. that's not what it's called for. Oh my god, I would love to see an R-rated Fantastic Four, <laughs> and I would love to see a sex scene <laughs> between fucking Miles Teller as, you know, uh, Mr. Fantastic going to town on an invisible Mara what, what's her name? Mara, whatever the fuck her name is. Kate Mara. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just Miles Teller, and he's actually having sex with another person, but it looks like he's masturbating into a fucking bed. That would, <laughs> it just looks like he's jacking off into a mattress, right? Yeah, into like an invisible I was, bottle. I was worried. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, my God. That would be so amazing, though, right? <laughs> okay, guys, we're going to break away. We're giving this the uh, R rating it deserves. Here's Miles Teller beating off into a mattress. Yes, and giant orange rock cock. 
That's what I was thinking. I thought it was going to be uh, uh, Ben Grimm and Reed Richards thing with another help me read. <laughs> wow. You're saying Mr. Fantastic is a power bottom in this scenario? Like, what's going on here? Uh, yeah, probably. All I right. mean, given He's the dynamics, sure. off. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. That's what, what makes him so fantastic. He could do either or. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's pretty flexible. The fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> uh, guys. He could do both. We talked about Lo- Logan last week, uh, but what about the future of Wolverine in future movies? JoeBlow.com talked with Simon Kinberg and, uh, Hutch Parker. Both are producers at Fox. And uh, here's uh, what they said. Hutch Parker. Um, Hutch Parker. Doesn't that sound like a, <laughs> that name, Hutch Parker? Doesn't that sound like a, like a 70s, like, fucking, like, Hutch and Parker? Like a, like a 70s fucking crime series? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Buddy Cops. Buddy Cop. Hutch and Parker. Hutch and Parker. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Kinberg says, we haven't started talking about that. The truth is we really approach this as this is really the end of Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine, and it very well could be the end of Wolverine in the movies. Get mm. I GTFO. Thank you. <laughs> uh, beyond that, we'll figure out if there's some other version of him. We haven't gotten, We haven't gone down that road. We really approach this as if it were the end. Parker said... Uh, and and truly, we are literally just finishing this with this. So candidly, it has not been a process where there has been a lot of downtime from production into the post, uh, post into visual effects and scoring and all that stuff. It was not long ago we were in that dark room. But I agree with Simon. The whole focus of that last however many years was living up to Hugh's desire and Jim's intention on delivering on a final Wolverine film for Hugh on a different, unique story that would try to carry the day more on the emotionality and the reality than on visual effects or action. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the whole focus has been on that. So they're basically saying, like, you know, yeah, Fox is not thinking about the future of Wolverine in these films. This is the finality of Hugh Jackman and the character. I'm, I'm calling bullshit, like, I'm sure that they're interested to see how this next X-Men film is going to perform mm-hmm. without Wolverine. Yes. But on the flip side, if it does not perform well, I guarantee you they're looking at recasting. I can't even oh, yeah. argue this. Yeah. yeah. Less than 10 years, yeah. we'll see a new Wolverine. Absolutely. Absolutely. They shouldn't, but yeah, that's going to be what they happens. Should. They should. Yeah. They should. We definitely should have another Wolverine. Yeah. They, well, they should <laughs> reboot this whole universe, correct, Jay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Correct. We want our first ever Wolverine in costume, man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that is true. I think. I mean, I. I get what you're saying. Like Hugh Jackman did so much for the character. Let's not reboot for a while. We've seen how many Batman and how many so many years. But on the flip side, like. Wolverine is such an integral part of the X-Men, and Fox is not ready to give the franchise up to Marvel Studios as far as even working out a deal like the Sony deal. Like, yeah, yeah they're, not, they're not interested. It's not even in the talks right now. So, Oh, yeah. Um, guys, what about the future of X-23? I, I think we all enjoyed the portrayal of X-23 in the Logan film. Mm-hmm. Daphne Keene did a great job. James Mangold did a great job of mm-hmm. portraying that character in the movies. Um, so what's the future? So 
James Mangold, in an interview with We Got This Covered, said that he would be interested in doing a spinoff. Here's this quote. I think Daphne is incredible in the film, and I would love to see another film about the character, uh, about that character. And that's certainly something I'd be involved in. For me, that was one of the biggest additions I brought to the table. This decision to try to make the film about family and to try to insert Laura and the pressures that would be put and the idea of Charles Ailing. So it sounds like James Mangold is definitely interested in that. Hmm. So Joe Blow talked to the producer Hutch Parker about this, stating, you can sort of continue a Wolverine story, though, with X-23, which is a great new character. Are you guys already talking about doing another movie with her? Hutch Parker said, we have been talking a little bit about that, and the possibility certainly exists. She's a remarkable actress. I think she did an amazing job. And a lot of the credit goes to Jim. Uh, they're speaking of James Mangold. Mm-hmm. It's certainly a rich opportunity. We haven't gotten specific in any way, but I'd love to see more with that character. So we talked about this when we reviewed Logan. We talked yeah. about like you know the studio realizing that they have something really special on their hands with this actress, really something special with the X-23 introduction and how people kind of like uh, grabbed onto that character. We latched onto that character. We really enjoyed her. Is it going to, you know, we talked about how tempting it would be for the studio to go forward with that character and with Daphne Keene as X-23. And it sounds like those talks are being had over at Fox. Yeah, it seems like it's a lot more highly plausible it might happen when you got James Mangold saying how much interest he has in the project, too. And thinking back on Logan, as well as it was written, it serves equally as good as a final chapter for Wolverine. As it does as an introduction and origin story for her. I, I gladly yeah. accept it. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be very uh, interesting. It'd be interesting, but you kind of run into the problem of based on the timeline that yeah. it falls into. Yes. It, just in terms of – it would be more of a solo movie or maybe a her bring together a new group of mutants to try to like maybe revitalize or restart the X-Men uh, team. But in terms of like trying to integrate her into the either a rebooted or an existing the already existing uh, X Men universe, that'd be kind of hard to do. It, no, I'm yeah, in. It's impossible to do. I'm she in, was riding yeah. around in his nuts during the films. I'm in 100 percent yeah. agreement with you. It, it feels like if they do this, they're branching off in three different directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're branching off in Deadpool. They're branching off in this X-Men Supernova, which I want to point out that that's not the title. Mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to call it X-Men Supernova yeah. until oh, yeah. we get a proper title for it. But Good idea. they are doing X-Men Supernova. That is a direction that they're going in. They are doing Deadpool. They are doing X-Force. And I am also going to point out that the X-Force movie is going to headline. This has been confirmed by Simon Kinberg. X-Force movie is going to be headlined by Deadpool and Cable. That huh. is mm-hmm. that is one hundred percent confirmed by Simon Kinberg. So if they do an X twenty three movie, they're branching off in a yet another direction. Right. 
we've got the singer verse alive and well. Yeah, it's with still X-Men the singer verse. No- it's just another end of it. I I get that. Yeah, but you're branching off in three different directions. How do you connect everything organically? And that's something that we're going to talk about here in a moment. Okay. It's pretty hard. How do you connect everything organically? Deadpool, X twenty three, the singer verse, and I understand that the X twenty three shit is part of the singer verse, but yet it's in a different timeline. Mm. We've yeah. got Supernova taking place in the <coughs> 90s, and we've got x 23s story taking place post-2029. Mm-hmm. So uh, by the time we get you know X-23, the sequel, which they're not going to want to go the Sin City route and do that fucking 10 years later. Yes. Oh, shit. They're yeah. going to want to do this. <laughs> they're go- they're going to want to fast-track this one, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. going to want to see this within three years. So we're looking at like a 2032 timeline at the most, which is fucking 40 years removed from Supernova. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking about three different fucking storylines here, yeah. guys. I'm talking about Deadpool. I'm talking about Supernova. And I'm talking about X-23. <coughs> this is fucking <laughs> – if they make a good movie, though, I don't even I don't care about any of that. I mean, that's why I like Logan so much. I, no, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, how can you make everything organically connect? Should they do that? I'm going to address that here in this episode. Yeah, and then yeah, you know you're going to have from an uh, audience perspective, we can go along with these kind of separate things, but from a studio side, they're going to want to try to bring these things together in some fashion, try to. Strings from very loose threads to try, try to connect it all together. Right. But also, Brian, I had a really quick logistical question yes. for you. Um, is so, alright, you said Kimberg, uh, confirmed that, uh, X-Force is gonna be headlined by, uh, Deadpool and yes. Cable. So yes. is that gonna come out before or after Deadpool 2? After. Okay. Yes. I just wasn't sure. Alright. It's right. coming out after Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2 is gonna be in production before, uh, X-Force, X-Force and Cable, but, Cable will be introduced in Deadpool 2, yes. which will set okay. up X-Force. So that'll kind of be like the buddy comedy of like a 48 hours kind of thing, and then we'll have the larger team thing in X-Force following it. Agre- yes, exactly. You're yeah. exactly oh, right. I, I'm not sure how I, – I don't know how much they're going to play off the uh, Cable-Deadpool buddy thing in the first the first outing. In the first outing, but definitely in X-Force. Yeah, definitely in X-Force. Yes. X-Force is the buddy thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah it'll kind of be like the setup and then the payoff for right. it. Guys, we don't know everything about the future of the X-Men movies universe going forward. We do know that we are getting new mutants. We knew that, uh, we know that we're gonna get this X-Men Supernova, which I said it's not gonna be titled Supernova, but I'm calling it that, so get the fuck over it until we get a final title. So get over it. Anyway, um, we learned last week from Laura Schuler Donner, uh, Laura Schuler Donner that one of the X-Men producers uh, she's one of the X-Men producers that we will not be getting more of this. And here's her quote. She says, we cannot once again explore the Eric and Charles dynamic. She's talking about Professor X. Mm-hmm. She's talking about Charles Xavier. Yeah. They are not going to further explore that dynamic. They have fucking drove that into the goddamn ground. Yeah. Yeah. It's been yep. tapped. I, that well's tapped. It, well, it's <laughs> tapped. She, uh, so guys, this, uh, hold on, let me, let me throw this out there. This does not mean that we aren't getting the characters, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Basically, McAvoy could come back for both New Mutants or Supernova. We're waiting to hear about his return. We're also waiting to hear about Fastbender returning. Uh, what won't happen though is their friendship being a large part of the narrative in that story. 
So we don't know whether McAvoy's coming back. The producers have already said this. They don't know if McAvoy's coming back. They don't know if Fassbender's coming back. This news kind of leads to thinking that they most likely won't, though. McAvoy, yes. I think McAvoy is – there's a better chance of them getting McAvoy at this point. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. do. There's still a chance of them getting Fassbender back after the bomb that was Assassin's Creed. Yeah. yeah. That lowered his stock. <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. I mean, we always get the, the, we always get the chance of Robert Downey Jr. coming back as Iron Man when his solo projects such as, uh, The Judge, Judge fucking bombs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he doesn't get the accolades that he wants. Thank God. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, if that movie would have blown up, you know, there's a good chance that we no, we don't get you know Robert Downey Jr. coming back as Iron Man. I always want him to. I always want to see him as Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. like with with Assassin's Creed being a shit pile that it was, and it was a shit pile, with it being such a craptastic movie, it increases the chances of him coming back as Magneto. Yeah. Now, McAvoy, I think McAvoy, he's not in the bag, but I think that McAvoy's chances are really. Fastbender has said that yes, he'd be willing to come back as there's Magneto. Just, but these quotes make it sound like there's no like juicy apple for them to come back to. Like it, they're basically downplaying that they're going to really utilize these characters very much. Well, I mean, I don't know what he's holding on to. He's if he's definitely not holding on to the hope that they're going to he's going to come back and do Assassin's Creed two. Yeah. <laughs> also, that might end up being a benefit because uh, it could mean that it gives them the opportunity, both of them the opportunity, McFoy and Fassbender, to do, to uh, pursue other roles and maybe have a diminished role in that, which would be not bad for the story either. Maybe focus more on the actual team that goes out in the field, your Cyclops and Jean Grey, whoever else, as opposed to it always being the the Xavier and uh, Lencher show, which would be a good change of pace. Mm Mm-hmm. Though with them losing Hugh Jackman, uh, I find it hard to believe that either one of these guys would be in a film together and one of them not be the focal point. I, it'd, it'd be hard to see them playing like a side role in something going on. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't see them not making at least one of them like the the lead in the story. No, we've seen Hugh Jackman play cameo parts in First Class. That's yeah, true. That's true. No, but I think what Frank's saying by that is that the um, – because because Jackman's role since uh, First Class has been in the X-Men movie so much more diminished. Well, Days of Future Past, never mind. But uh, in the last one, since it was just a cameo and it did focus a lot more on uh, McFoy and Fassbender, uh, that without – Without Hugh Jackman there being that kind of marquee cameo, why would they want to come back for less for more diminished roles going along the same route? But a paycheck, it, man. No, because exactly. somebody's gonna, somebody's going to get somebody's going to get that fucking money. Somebody's going to get that money. Somebody's going to get the money to play Charles Xavier. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it boggles my mind to think of an X Men team that does not have an Xavier behind it. That yeah. boggles my right. mind, and it makes sense for me that McAvoy is going to come back. Like, if you're going to tell me, like, who's going to come back in this thing, I'm saying at least 51% that McAvoy would come back, 49% that he wouldn't. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm leading towards that McAvoy would come back. On the I would flip- give a better odds than that, actually. Yeah, I, I, I'm playing it safe. I'm playing it safe. But, Fair. like, Fastbender on the flip side, like, he could come or go. Whatever. Yeah, I it's mean, kind of a uh, two-thirds to one-third. Yeah, but I, I find it hard to believe that if they didn't offer him a role in this that he would not come back. But 
I, I kind of get it. Like you, you introduce Fastbender and you in, you introduce him back into this world, and he's not like a focal point. His relationship with with McAvoy's not a focal point. Right. It's kind of weird. It's like right. having it Kirk no, and Spock it, in the same no film. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. And have him not talk. Well, it's kind of weird. It's just a thought because uh, if if they did both come back, but they had diminished roles, what would you kind of want out of that? Because here's what I'm kind of thinking, just off the cuff here. Uh, McAvoy as Xavier is, yeah, he's just kind of the mentor role. He's kind of the, you know, he gives them the outlay of the mission early on. They kind of communicate with him a couple times throughout the movie. So he's, you know, maybe filming time, he's there for like two weeks as opposed to like three months. Uh, and maybe then on, uh, Fastbender's side, it's, you set it up just a very early seedling of it, of uh, maybe Magneto's gone ahead and started uh, uh, establishing Genosha as a sanctuary, and maybe you kind of seed that there, and then a couple movies later, it then comes back to that, and that becomes, and then it can come back to those two being much more integral parts of the story in terms of the philosophical uh, debate behind it later on. A couple on. movies later, we got to wrap this shit up. See, that's the thing, well, though, Jake. Yeah, that's the thing, though, Jake. Standpoint, that's the thing. Uh, do you think that they're really ready to wrap this up, though? No. That's, no. Th- that's <laughs> yeah. the point. Hold, did, did I'm Ma- so pissed he just broke a glass. No, I was thinking, like, is Magneto there and he's throwing <laughs> yeah. fucking, like, metal and shit against the I wall? What the fuck is going Hopner. on? He, he's mad because I'm trying to reduce his role. No, Jake, <laughs> like, that's the point. Like, yeah. are, is is Fox ready to wrap up this universe yet? It feels like no. I mean, especially if you go back to them saying they're not going to have another Wolverine. That's right. because they're not ready to reboot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, yeah. They're, they're going to milk it as long as they can. There's so much time and money put into making these universes connected. Yeah. They're probably at this point trying to feel like they've already got so much invested, but they fucked up what they've got invested. Uh, Yes and no. I don't feel like there's been very much time in trying to keep the Fox X-Men universe connected, (laughs) to be honest with you. Right, but like to reboot, they have to literally throw away everything they've done so far, and it's a risky thing when you're talking dollars and cents. They want to try to keep it connected. Their 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 hands are kind of forced at this point. They they have to shit or shit or get off the fucking toilet because like we we can keep this universe going, Mm -hmm. right? We can. Mm -hmm. They can, but I think like they are going to want to have a new Wolverine. It's a Frankenstein's monster. So I think right now the (laughs) big question is how do they keep this universe going that they've established that I think that they are too proud to drop? Mm -hmm. How do they keep that going and yet still introduce a new Wolverine? You know, and Mm -hmm. I I don't think that they're going to get who people want them to get as the new Wolverine. Like I know that Tom Hardy. Thank you. They're not yeah, getting, definitely not. They're not getting Tom Hardy, which, honestly, my God, would I love to see a Tom Hardy Wolverine? Oh yeah, yes, I that'd would. be great. But I would, yeah, you know. And we know that, you know, recently I think it was Hugh Jackman came out and he gave in his endorsement of who he would like to see as uh, Wolverine. I'm not familiar with the actor, um, but uh, he gave his endorsement as to who he's like, who who, who he'd like to see as Wolverine. I'm just upset it wasn't finally Glenn Denzig. Oh, fuck off with that <laughs> shit. Go watch your Prophecy 2 and beat off in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Glenn Danzig can't act his way out of a paper bag. Go no watch shit. Go, yeah, I mean, 
I get it, man. Back if you would have asked me twenty fucking years ago, who do you want as Wolverine? I would have said Glenn Danzig because yeah, because <laughs> he was he was campaigning so hard for that oh, before they got fuck Jack. Yeah, he was. Wolverine in the comic books is five foot three. Glenn Danzig yeah. is jacked. He, he was jacked as fuck, and he was yeah, five foot yeah. three. It made sense. Yeah. But go back and watch the Prophecy Two. That guy can't fucking act. <laughs> yeah, no shit, he can't. Yeah, that would yeah. be awful. We're on the same page, Hopner. Yeah. Um, uh, here's a. I do have a question though, because um, they could. I'm not quite up on X Men uh, comics as probably both you and Jake are, Brian. But because um, there's a lot of stories out there, it seems like where Wolverine's kind of there, but he's not like an integral part to it. So couldn't they kind of delve into that catalog of uh, stories for a while in order to try to distance, give enough time in between? Not uh, when they're Logan talking about here? Phoenix Saga, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not when they're talking true. about fucking Kinberg is talking about. You know, they, they, they've talked to Kinberg. They've talked to Kinberg. They tried to corner him, and they've tried to talk to him about Supernova. And they said, they said, you know, hey, we've heard that this next new movie is going to be about the Dark Phoenix saga. Here's his quotes. We can't confirm what the next movie will be, but I can talk a little bit about, frankly, what I would do differently if I were to make an X-Men The Last Stand again, which had the Dark Phoenix storyline. I think the big mistake we made with that movie, and if anybody is to blame for it, it's the writer, and I was one of them, it's that we made the Dark Phoenix the subplot of the film instead of making it the main plot. The Dark Phoenix story is the biggest and in many ways the most epic saga of the X-Men comics. So you can't make that the B-plot of the movie. If we were lucky enough to have the opportunity to retell the story, and certainly what we did with the end of Days of Future Past gave us the opportunity to retell it, Mm -hmm. I think we all would want to give it justice and space to breathe that it deserves. It sounds like Simon Kinberg is basically telling us that, yes, the next movie is going into Dark Phoenix. We saw Dark Phoenix. We saw the elements of Dark Phoenix in fucking Apocalypse when we saw fucking Jean Grey go all Dark Phoenix. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, he can't fucking give us the information now, but I think that's where the story's going. I think that's where the comments are alluding to. I think you've also could be, but it could go the opposite way. That could also just be kind of um, studio, you know, having to, you know, adhere to studio speak and not talk about. Oh, come the fuck on! Come the fuck on! It could be. It could go either way. Hey, come the fuck on, Hotner! She went fucking Phoenix in that goddamn movie. They they didn't show that in that. That was not. That was just. And I'm not. I'm not pissed off at you, Hotner. I'm just getting loud and passionate because that's who I am. But like. They did not just show us that because they were just like, okay, this is what's going to right the wrongs from X-Men The Last Stand. They no, were no, no. they I were agree. they were setting up another fucking movie, right, uh, yeah. Jake? Yeah, and Pittsburgh's yeah. not having these quotes about how it's the most epic storyline in X-Men. Yes. So he can not correct the wrong. Right. No, yeah. I I agree with you on that. It's definitely something that they're going to get back to. But right. I'm just I'm just wondering whether or not that's going to be the next story, or maybe even the oh, story after man. that. They, they, might, they, they, go ahead. Could Frank. be in a couple. It could be in a couple. It movies. feels like they're taking a fucking playbook out of the DC fucking DC EU and fast tracking this fucking shit. Agreed. Thank. Yeah. That's because, where you're going, Frank. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, I, in order to tell the Dark Phoenix part of the story, you got to tell the first part when she got it in the first place. Yeah. 
with all the stuff with Leandra and everything. And also you got to figure when they do tell the Dark Phoenix part, they've already kind of Frankenstein some of those characters into first class, Sebastian Shaw and the Hellfire Club. Yeah. Th- yeah. That that's plays a huge fucking part in that Dark Phoenix saga. You got to do it. it. You got from the jump, though, you're not doing an adaptation of the comic book straight to the movie. No, you're not. Well, no, like, but you're not you're having not the star jammers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. they can have anybody mess with their mind, but I still think that you have to tell the other part of it and learn who the entity is before you see how it fucks her up. Yeah. That'd be good storytelling, yes, but they've kind of. Been- <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a good point, man. You can wish in one hand and shit in the other, man. You mm-hmm. see which one goes up boy, first. They want to do both. Yes, I think the origin of the entity could kind of take a back door, though, and not hurt the story too much. If the, it could take a back door, yeah, but you can't. Great performance is is good enough to support that. Yeah, but is Sophie Turner gonna fucking deliver? No, no. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. There's, I don't know, and I there wasn't very many comics that I read as a kid, and that was one of them. And it's not that I'm like wanting them to hit it beat for beat, but why the fuck did they not get Shailene Woodley to fucking play Jean Grey? God damn it, she's off doing these fucking divergent, divergent. convergent, fucking <laughs> perversion films. <laughs> And they probably, didn't get. They probably have her locked down on a contract. What's well, bullshit, man? She they they fucking they cast her as Mary Jane, and then they fucking knock her out of that fucking Amazing Spider-Man Two movie. Thank God for her. But why the fuck is she yeah. doing fucking Divergent Convergent when she could fucking do <laughs> when she could fucking be Jean fucking Gray? That's what she's made for. I Not mean, just never go ahead. No, if you watch The Spectacular now, she is a fantastic actress. She is fantastic. She is such a wonderful actress. She's made for the role of Jean Grey. And I feel like, why the fuck did they... You know, like, I get it. Game of Thrones is fucking hot, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, who do you got as a Stark? You got a fucking redhead, right? Mm -hmm. Makes sense, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't know, Cookie cutter doesn't always work. It was nice to see someone without a terrible dye job for once. I know. Should have gotten the actress who played Ingrid on Game of Thrones instead. If you're going to go for that market... Because she's clearly not doing anything They should have got Carrot Top, right? <laughs> <laughs> Redhead, that fits. Yeah. I don't know. It conflicts with his Hollywood or his uh, Las Vegas schedule. Oh, man. I don't know if I want to see him as fucking Gene Gray or I want to see him as Archie in Riverdale. <laughs> he looks <laughs> terrible now. Oh, That's yeah, he does. Top yeah. He's all roided man. out and shit. I've seen yeah. him recently. Oh, my God. Oh, he looks terrible. Listen. That'd be another way to go with that, though, if he was just like a fucking gym rat with a fucking steroid problem. Uh, uh, yeah, he looks old and decrepit. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, Deadline spoke to uh, Simon Kinberg, and they asked him about the uh, future of the X-Men and Deadpool films and where it all goes. And he said, Deadpool 2 is going to be uh, – it's going to be in production this year. Then X-Force – which is a combination of Deadpool and Cable. They're like the black ops of the X-Men. They're much darker and have an R-rated decibel. There are X-Men characters coming into X-Force at different times in the comic, but it's separate from X-Men. There is a larger architecture to tell these stories in. I talk to the studios all the time about this, and there is a plan for how these movies can connect and be a part of a larger narrative. I'm worried about this, guys. Hold on. It's something that's fun, exciting, and it will be interesting to see how we marry the different tones that we've been generating in these standalone movies of the X-Men universe. 
but we go into making the best movie we can. It's not just about a Colossus or Deadpool cameo. Connecting all of these movies will happen when it organically makes sense. (laughs) These movies aren't simply being built as stepping stones to a larger story. Each one is wholly enclosed in a movie worth seeing. Fuck these comments. (laughs) Except the last one. I mean, that's what I'm all about. Each one is a wholly enclosed in a movie we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. But, like, Jake, it sounds like... Yeah, they're trying to combine they, Deadpool into the Singerverse. It's exactly. Yeah. Don't make a goddamn great Deadpool movie. Make a great X-Force movie. Don't go Iron Man 2 route with this bullshit (laughs) and try to build a bigger world and incorporate a larger story so that the whole narrative of that sequel fucking sucks. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Focus on great stories. Focus on great movies. The moment you try to basically try to force a square peg – into a circle, into a hole, that's when you get the problem. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with everything you're saying, but I think you're being too harsh on his comments. I think his comments allude to exactly what you're saying, that he wants it to be organically done. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is that each movie is an enclosed and good movie. I'm going off of past fucking experiences I've had with this bullshit, though, Jake. Yeah, yeah. I've seen what John Favreau could do with Iron Man and just telling a fucking great solo story. And he did a fantastic job with that, Jake. Yeah, just the... Uh, so- and then the success of Iron Man... Brought upon this greater MCU expanded universe where we had to incorporate every other character. So in Iron Man 2, we got bullshit scenes of fucking Black Widow being thrown into Iron Man 2 and then setting up the MCU and they failed miserably. Now, I'm not saying that it's not possible for this to create a bad movie, but I feel like his quotes support the fact that they're trying not to make those mistakes. Oh, he can say whatever he wants to, but I'm going off of like basically so just the, I'm going off ba- I'm going based off of the studio that's done it the best. <laughs> Marvel MCU run by Kevin Feige. Fucking in Feige we trust. This guy has put together a slew of fucking great Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and this guy was not able to fucking make worldwide loved beloved films as Iron Man 2 is not embraced by the comic book movie fans. It's no. not. It's not. No, I'm not I'm not arguing that. I'm, I I love these quotes too. On paper it sounds You're great. You're just saying the spark of the idea that they plan on combining Deadpool into the Singer universe has you worried. It worries me about Deadpool. They can fuck up X-Men. They they have fucked up X-Men, Jay. Yeah, I feel like... I'm de- worried about them fucking up Deadpool. I'm worried about Deadpool being commercialized and being so much, so mainstream and trying to, trying to, basically they are trying to use the success of Deadpool mm. to raise, to elevate the status of X-Men proper, the singer universe yeah. that they've established. That's, of course they are. Kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. and I'm worried about that because that's what they did 
I feel like in Iron Man 2, they were promoting the greater universe, the expansion of this universe and tying everything in. And I feel like Iron Man 2 suffered because of that. Yeah, but Iron, Iron Man, Man 2, 2 was not – Iron Man was not based on anything else. It was Iron Man-centric. And yeah, Iron yeah. Man – Yeah, I – I know. I'm preaching. I fucking hate Iron Man 2. I know. It's the fucking worst. But (laughs) I I think Iron Man 2 proves that if Fox does make that misstep, course correction is possible. I mean, look, you know, afterwards they get their shit together. Yeah, but I I don't want it to affect Deadpool. Yeah, I think Deadpool 2 is safe. I think X-Force you should be worried. I think Deadpool is safe. I think X-Force... (laughs) <laughs> I think X Force is where they're wanting to introduce maybe possibly other X Men characters. X Force is cause for concern, where okay. they're, especially with the quotes about Frank. different X Men coming in. It's almost like uh, he's giving you a sweet little reach around while he's also dropping the line that yeah, it's going to be connected. And even though it was said earlier, like oh well, we'll give it an R rating if it, if that's what it deserves. He made sure that the comment also held an R rated bit. Like to does Ryan it. Reynolds need to put his foot down, Hopner? Uh, yeah, gut reaction, yeah, because I actually agree with a lot of what Frank's saying, and I tend to agree with you on this one, Brian, is that, yeah, it's kind of a, yeah. There's no argument, I wasn't disagreeing. Oh, I, 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 no, 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 I'm not saying that you were, but, um, it's, it's very much, you said that, yeah, with Iron Man 2, given the comparison between, uh, the X-Men and the Marvel, yeah, Iron Man 2, but they can course correct. But uh, Fox of the X-Men universe has had to do a couple of course corrections already. And in terms of the X-Men universe, we're currently on a bad note with them. Logan was great, but Apocalypse wasn't. Uh, so they've had to do this before with uh, X3. It's why they rebooted and went back to the, the 60s with the uh, first class. Uh, you know, the X-Men Origins Wolverine was awful. Uh the Wolverine was some mixed reactions. Uh, so it's kind of a, yeah, if for creative purposes, yeah, Ryan Reynolds should kind of put his foot down on this and go, no, remain separate unless you're willing to make it R specifically for the two or three minutes tops that I'm going to be in an X-Men movie just because I'm going to be fucking lewd as hell. Ryan Reynolds has the power right now, in my opinion, to say, you know what? We do it my way. He's going to fucking go all uh, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. We're going to do it my way or I walk. Yep. Or yeah. I walk. Yep. I am yep. not here to be a fucking crutch for this fucking bullshit fucking shit that you've done for 17 years. And I'm not saying that all the shit that they've done in the past 17 years has been bullshit. There's, there's, there's definitely great takeaways from X-Men, from X2. There's definitely great moments that they've had in those films. Logan was fantastic. But I don't feel like Deadpool should be like, oh, okay, you know what, we're gonna, you know, all the success that Deadpool has, all the, all the love that it's garnered, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna have this other fucking bullshit take that on. We're going to have it fucking take it. No, I think Deadpool should be its own separate entity. It should not have to take on the bullshit from the Singerverse and try to fucking pump that shit up and prop it up and try to bring that back into the limelight. They need to figure that fucking shit out on their own. And Ryan Reynolds needs to step up and say, you know what? I'm doing – what I'm doing is special and it needs to be separate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's probably not upset about it though. It's the sad thing. Like I I could see in his mind that this isn't something that he is – like angry about 
Like he probably is excited to do an X Force movie where they could bring in X Men. Oh come on, the X Force movie. No, the X Force movie. I think is all part of this R rated fucking. He's headlining it. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's the shit after fucking X Force. I think it's the everything after X Force is when they're going to try to do this shit. Yeah, I think it works if you if you keep both you like it's the same universe. But you have the X Force stuff and you have the X Men stuff. Like I, I could see that working just. It's fine. different. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm reading it too d- much into this. It depends we, on we how we got, you... we got two different Colossuses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it depends on how you keep the stuff. Three different the Colossuses. Stuff yeah. If you keep it so loosely connected, just like that, like if you bring in a couple people to have a one-off or whatever, yeah. Or when Deadpool goes over, he's breaking the fourth wall. That shit's good, but don't get it muddled up with having to try to trace back. Jake, you don't sound like you're trying to perfect. You you don't sound like you're trying to protect Deadpool. You're leaving Deadpool open. (laughs) You're no, you're no. You've exposed our Deadpool, and you're saying yes. I want you to fuck up my. No, you sound like you are just a. No, you're like a mad fucking scientist. You're fucking like Mega Man's Doctor Wily and shit. And you're just like, you know what? You are, dude, dude, dude. Listen to me, dude. I one of my favorite things about fucking Deadpool comics is cameos in fucking Deadpool comics. Deadpool comics do not work. Give me Charles Xavier. Fifty fucking issues of just fucking. Deadpool. What makes it fun is seeing wacky ass Deadpool interact with fucking straight edge X Men characters. Yeah, but I That's don't need. Fun. I don't need my fucking bullshit X Men Apocalypse characters showing it up in this to try to make that fucking that line of fucking movies better. I don't need <laughs> yeah. them incorporating those storylines into my Deadpool. Give me a cameo of uh, Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier. Give me a good laugh, just kind of like a great laugh from a Stan Lee cameo. Give me that laugh. Give me a Hugh Jackman cameo laugh. I don't need them trying to fucking throw Sophie Turner into this fucking (laughs) shit. Yeah, but I do want to see other characters. There's also something else to uh, bring into that because – uh, with the where the X Men franchise is right now, where Deadpool is, we again have a, a time lag issue because Deadpool clearly took place in more, you know, modern yes, times yes. as opposed to twenty 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 nine in the nineties. Well, because the next yes. one will be in the nineties, that'll be still twenty yeah. give or take years removed. Because I think they take place in the early sixties, seventies, eighties. Uh, so you have a bunch of time removed there. So would, a, it wouldn't make sense for him to be showing up in that current, in that timeline as they're going, because that would be 20 years plus before he was Deadpool. But also, uh, Jake, to what you were saying about you enjoying, uh, cameos, uh, of other characters in Deadpool comics, but that's kind of exactly the point is that they're cameoing in a Deadpool comic. So the tone and the, and the, the focus is still, Deadpool and you have these other characters from the X-Men universe coming in for a little hey how's it going cameo kind yeah, of that's thing. Exa- and that works in an X-Force movie. Well, I think hold on, hold on. Let me, yeah, let me throw this out there. It, I think Brian's concerned is if you reverse that and you have him showing up as a cameo in the X-Men movies, you lose yeah, so don't do much that. of that. Let don't, me, don't do hold that. on. <laughs> let me throw this out there. If you get a fucking cable in an X-Men proper film in the Singer universe... You get Stephen Lang. If you get Cable in a Deadpool film, you get Ron Perlman or Nathan Fillion. That's who you get. If you get fucking, like, Jean Grey in a Deadpool film, 
you get Emma Stone. If you get it in an X Men proper <laughs> film, you get Sophie Turner. I mean, that's that works the, too. That's the difference between this shit. It's like I don't want my Sophie Turner's fucking blending in with my Deadpool film. I don't want Nathan Fillion anywhere near this fucking. I'm universe. just saying, <laughs> it makes more fucking yeah. sense to have Nathan Fillion in a fucking Deadpool fucking film than it does having like Stephen Lang or a Pierce Brosnan or whatever the fuck they're planning on doing. And then you also get rid of the ties that you have to maintain. I don't know. I don't know. I guys, I just I I don't want to I don't want to mix I don't want to mix these things. I, I love what they got going on in Deadpool. I feel I like agree. they're hinting at. I a very small mix. They're just I feel like it's just we're gonna tip at the hat that we're in this universe. No, I, that's I, how no, it's no, I, other property. That sounds tanks. great, Jake, but I'm talking about a studio that wants to fucking make more money on one side mm-hmm. of the fucking coin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And these yeah. and Apocalypse did not do what Days of Future Past did. Why didn't it do what Days of Future Past did? Well, because Brian Singer's not a great director. The story wasn't great, and also it didn't have like as much Hugh Jackman as people would have wanted, correct? Flat yeah. Hugh Jack- yeah. You get Hugh Jackman in there, you instantly get an extra $100 million oh, in the box. Sure, yeah. Instantly. For sure. Instantly. He's got Will Smith appeal. He's got Brad Pitt appeal. He's got Tom Cruise appeal. That's who he is. I don't know, and It just feels like I don't want them to fucking use Deadpool as a crutch to fucking pump up. This other bullshit they got going on, on the side, it's just not working. And the timing, yeah. it sets it up perfectly for that to be a real fear because yeah. now he's the golden boy. He is the golden boy. And the golden yeah. boy, you know what, Hotner, Frank, golden boy should say no. Right. I agree because, yeah, right now his stock is as high as it's probably going to be. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, going back to one here. of your earlier And he's learned Ryan. from Green Lantern. Yes. Yeah, but at the yeah. end of the day, he wants to line his pockets, too. So I'm not... But, I, oh! The mi- no, oh, I'm not come on, Jake. Ryan come on. Cuts, pay cuts to... Uh, it's like the give him an inch, give him a mile did, thing. If they you, you, you act like... You know, you act like... Gandhi of fucking... You know, you act like Fox Daddy Warbucks is going to say... No! You act like Fox Daddy Warbucks is going to say, well, you know, since you're not going to fucking play our little fucking game here and have like the rest of the X-Men universe that has been floundering for the last so many years since you're not going to like bring them into this wonderful world that you've created where you can make a movie for 50 million dollars and it makes 700 goddamn million dollars since you're not going to do that well you're out Ryan no Ryan can say you know what I have got something here I'm not denying that. He Ryan can, has he all won't. the power, and it's not about lining his pockets at this point when a guy who's not so concerned about lining his pockets when he's already in the fucking doghouse in Hollywood says, you know what? I'm going to pay two million fucking dollars on my own goddamn pockets to have fucking Rhett Reese and fucking Paul Wernick, the writers for this show, show up on set because Fox is too much of a stringent motherfucker yeah, to pay it out of their own goddamn pockets. That was in This Is Now. now oh, fuck I, off with that shit. I think he'd been cynical enough to where he'd remember that shit. Ryan, Reynolds could, stop could acting, Ryan Reynolds could stop acting today and be set financially. This guy has, this guy sees what has happened to his career and he 
he can't let this happen anymore. And I hope that this guy has the foresight to understand that the studio is doing what they can do to help this other side of X-Men that is floundering. But Ryan Reynolds wants to preserve what's beautiful in cinema. And yes, Deadpool was beautiful because it's one of the best fucking love stories I've ever seen in an R-rated comedy fucking ever. It really was. The fucking – the dynamic between him and Marina Baccarin is fucking amazing and I would fucking put it up there against the goddamn notebook. Suck my dick. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't want to see Ryan Reynolds fucking uh, bend to the studio just because they're going to offer him more fucking money. I don't think, I, but I don't think he is going to bend to the studio and I don't think that's necessarily what's being implied here. I think I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to them just trying to create some synergy between the two movie franchises. I do. Can I, I try can I try to split the difference? Go here ahead, go ahead. I'm done. Quick? I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Uh one, here's an interesting thought. Nobody's actually approached Ryan Reynolds and asked him about this, right? Well, Ryan we know Ryan Reynolds wanted to have Hugh Jackman in a dead right, movie. But that, that's all like, that's all we know. As far right, as like yeah, any nobody's really exactly about well, we it. know he's headlining an X Force movie now too. Well, well but uh, yeah, nobody's really yeah, right. but like nobody from like nobody from X Force has been featured in an X Men proper film. Yeah, yeah. But all I mean, we like, all no, we know that Ryan Reynolds wanted to work with was fucking Hugh Jackman. Which, god damn it, I can't blame the guy. Yeah, I would have Hugh Jackman give me a handy right now. God damn it. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like nobody's really <laughs> talked to them. Nobody's really approached Ryan Reynolds and asked his opinion on like the intermixing between. The Deadpool universe with uh, Deadpool and X-Force yeah. and the yeah. X-Men movie. We're so, A, yeah. it'd be really interesting to for someone to approach him and actually see what he says in response to this stuff. But to split the difference between you and Jake here, uh, I can see both sides of this point. A, I do agree with you, Brian, overall that, yeah, he should put his foot down and uh, – Artistically and say that, yeah, we're not, I don't want to dumb down. I don't want to dilute this character by yeah. having it intermix with something that doesn't clash with it, mesh with it very well. But I can also see on Jake's side in terms of like, you know, how much resistance is he going to really give on that? How much is he going to listen to this fucking? I, I don't know. <laughs> listen to this neutral fucking Swedish bastard. I don't bastard. think they have to dilute anything, though. I think if done right, there's no diluting at all. Uh, but it, what are the odds? Yeah, yeah it, thank you. What are the odds that they're going to do it right? Oh man, yeah, they've right. done such a great job before. Well, and maybe Ryan Reynolds will pay another two million dollars to get writers on the set, so it does get done right. Yeah, well, maybe. Well, yeah, okay, whatever. Jake, you know what? Like, the, so hold on. Like, I, you know, what? I see the beauty in the Deadpool universe. Okay, just like I see the beauty in Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford's got that goddamn mole on her face. You're wanting to cut the. You're, you're wanting to fucking laser that mole off her face. Hey, and that's just, oh no 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 no. Cindy Crawford back in the '90s was a beautiful woman, right? And she had that goddamn mole on her face, and it stuck out. You know what? Just like that Iglesias guy, he had that fucking mole on his face. You know what? As soon as Iglesias fucking like they they fucking lasered that shit off his face, nobody knows who he is anymore. <laughs> 
and you're do, you're doing that. You're cutting the mole off of Deadpool. You're fucking no. You are fucking. You are fucking. I, I gotta agree with Brian. On yeah, this you're burning the. Yeah, I'm not doing no, anything. No, no, what there, am I yeah, doing? There is beauty. What am I doing? There is beauty. Enough of the analogy. Back to the reality. What am I doing? You're cutting what? them. You're cutting. You're cutting <laughs> them. How? You're cutting the mole. How? By by in an X Force movie, a slight acknowledgement of the Singerverse that takes place thirty fucking years prior to this universe. What What's you are doing? <laughs> what what you hurt? are doing is you're taking something that is not hurting. You are taking something that is doing something wonderfully right now and saying, you know what? Let's prop up this other bullshit that's been floundering that people aren't gravitating towards that has been garbage the last couple movies and we're going to try to take this other thing to prop it up. You know what? I don't need it. I don't need it. One movie? Okay, we had uh, Days of Future Past and we had X-Men First Class, which were great. But we've also had fucking X-Men Last Stand, X-Men Origins Wolverine. I wasn't talking at all times. You said the last two movies and the last two movies weren't fucking garbage. We don't need it though. We don't need it though. It is not necessary. It's not necessary. I agree it's not necessary, but it also could be done without hurting anything. It's almost kind of like tainting the pool, though. Once Sin, you let tell it that in, to Iron Man 2. Iron tell Man that to Iron Man shit. 2, which built up a bigger universe in the MCU. Yeah, okay. Tell that to Iron Man 2, okay. which fucking ruined that film. I think if John Favreau would have been able to make the movie that he wanted to make. I and want this a is, Deadpool no, this movie is, with other fucking mutants. That's what's fun about Deadpool. That's fine, but I don't need other fucking mutants that were shown up in the other fucking movies. I don't need Sophie Turner or Cody. Impossible. Or Cody Smith. No, it's not because we got a different goddamn Colossus. <laughs> they can give us other versions of said mutants. But it won't be. It's impossible for you. Sophie can- Turner is what I'm fucking saying. Huh? Not. You're saying you don't want Sophie Turner in the Deadpool movie. Sure. I'm saying that's impossible because Sophie Turner would be fucking 50 in the Deadpool movie or whatever the fuck. It, no, they don't have to follow that line of thinking. They don't. I know they don't. That's why it would be impossible for it to be Sophie Turner in the Deadpool oh, movie. I see what Jake's saying because of the time difference in the films. She'd be like 40, 50 years earlier. old. But the whole discussion is about them bringing in the Singerverse into this one, Jake. But they would have to do that without throwing in characters from Apocalypse because you can't do that unless you have aged versions of those characters. Or we're doing something. Then why are we talking about this? Because I'm fine. Because it's not that big of a deal. Because they can't do much fucking harm if they're just nodding at the fucking singer verse. Why not use what you fucking have? It's the fucking X Men franchise. The whole thing is this article is talking about organically combining the two universes. And his quotes were great. Those those were the best fucking quotes you could say if that's what you're trying to do. Those quotes had nothing but respect for the properties. Yeah, Hopner left. But anyway, all right. No, I'm still here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead and hop out. We're going to fucking finish this. <laughs> uh, just, um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I see both of you guys. Get the fuck out of here, Hopner, with your Switzerland <laughs> shit. I can see both Jake, sides. Jake, here, Jake, I kind of get what Brian said. I kind of get what Jake said. If Frank had no, an no, opinion, I would kind of get it, too. Hey, I got an opinion. 
Yeah, yeah, Jake, here's what me and Brian are kind of sitting on, and I think you might appreciate that. It's kind of like how in WWE they keep inserting Roman Reigns into bigger storylines than the people want him to be in. And that's kind of the inner It's the same fucking thing, though. If you write it right, that would work, too. And have they? No, they have not. Well, then the track record is against them on this, so let's not give them another chance. Yeah, I, I think it could be done, and it's no big deal. I think uh, it's, you guys are making a mountain out of a molehill, and you should pick yeah. a better battle. Whatever. <laughs> I, I disagree 100%. I disagree. Yeah. Like, the whole, the whole thing is about incorporating the Singerverse with – that's the whole what the whole quote's are fucking about. And, yeah, you can say, like, it's the 90s and, like, Deadpool takes place – Keep it separate then. Like, don't even make these comments known to the public. Just let Ryan Reynolds do what he's going to do with the Deadpool movies. Let him do what he's going to do with the X-Force movies. Let it be separate. Let these fucking Singerverse fucking movies flounder. Let this next Supernova movie be whatever the fuck it's going to be. It's not going to be good. I can promise you that fucking right now. <laughs> Is I can Singer promise you that. Huh? Is Singer directing? <laughs> no, Supernova? I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. He's going to be a producer. He's a producer on Legion. He's also going to be a producer on this next X-Men TV show, which the rumored title is going to be Gifted. Which yeah, I saw that. I actually like that title. Yeah, it's a good title. It's a great title. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I just want this – I want Deadpool to be some – Jake, I just want it to be something different. I want it to be something special and I want it to be something – Separated. I don't want Deadpool to be watered down either. By no fucking means I don't want do it I to want be that. a fucking crutch to what the bullshit they got going on. I don't on want other. that either. Yeah, I mean, we can look at Simon Kinberg's quotes and say, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I would love to see that, that, you know, yeah, I would love to see Deadpool be like a big brother and fucking like lift up like the crap that they got going on on the other side. Not everybody did like Apocalypse. Not everybody liked Days of Future Past. Not everybody liked any of those. You know what I mean? They weren't universally loved. You know, um, I loved Days of Future Past. Oh, I, thought, yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. I did. I loved X Men First Class. But on the flip side, like the timelines that they got worked out in this shit, the whole thing's a muddled mess. It's it been is a, a muddled, muddled mess, mess for long before Deadpool came into the right, future. Right. I <laughs> want Deadpool to make a joke, make a laughing stock out of the muddled mess that they've made with those movies. I don't want it to incorporate it. I just I want it to be something special and sp- something separate. That's my final stand. I mean, I want it to be special too. I get it, and I think it can be. I want to see. I want to see other X Men in these films too, but I want it to be more of like a fucking funny like cameo. Like we get Stan Lee in these, uh, you know, in the cameos in these movies. Yeah, I would love to see like uh, the, Patrick Stewart show up <laughs> as a cameo in Deadpool too. Have him walk Hobner, and have Deadpool Hobner freak it out. Like you can walk. Yeah, Hobner, get the fuck out of here. I know you got to do shit. Get I want Deadpool with an X babe and that kind of funny stuff. That's always right. hilarious. I'm not doing. <laughs> we're not doing DC news this week. We're gonna end on this shit. We're gonna end fucking yelling at each other. That's <laughs> <laughs> gonna end on a high note, right? <laughs> <laughs> this, this, you know what's great about this though. That. It's like we can we can disagree about all this shit. We're never gonna come to a fucking agreement on this, but it's just like fucking like the Terry Crews Mike Coulter bullshit. Yeah, you know we're yeah. still good friends. It's hey. a little different. I, I'll feel terrible if Deadpool gets ruined. <laughs> yeah, that's and if what it does, it's all your fault. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm taking a lot of my shoulders with this argument. I'm trying. No, no, I Jake, Jake, I'm agreeing with. I, hold on, uh, let me. I'm drunk. 
I am in agreement with you. I want to see other X-Men introduced into Deadpool. Like, it was a funny joke in the first one. They couldn't introduce X-Men into it because of the budget. It's like a fourth wall meta fucking, you know. I want to see other X-Men introduced into this world. But I don't want to. The last thing I want to see is Sophie Turner, Cody Smith-McPhee, those characters being introduced into this to try to bring. I don't think there's any fear of that. that that's I just kind had of, an actual interesting idea. That's what would you think about this? What if they went like extra meta with it and instead of having like the current uh, cast doing it, what if they delve back and brought back like, okay, if Cyclops shows up, it's James Marston or Famke Jensen as Jean Grey, like going really far that's back great. and he can I make a joke too. and be like, yeah, but the, do you see, even exist anymore? But that's – hold on. That's the, that's what I'm saying here is like Simon Kinberg's statements do not reflect that. Kymen, True. Excuse me. Simon Kinberg's statements reflect organically combining what they have going on now – yeah, with sure. Deadpool, that's what. But his see, the, the term organically means not to me. I take that as not forcing the issue. That yeah, the, the combination happens naturally. I look at it like it a sounds like compliment. it's inevitable. He right. can say organically, but I am taking inevitable out of it. I mean, basically, I'm taking like, that Fox Studios is saying yes, it's not going to happen right away. Okay, I'm not going to take your virginity right now. And don't worry, but don't fuck it up. But my but. yeah, but my penis is moving at a slow <laughs> snail's pace towards your vagina, <laughs> and eventually this fucking there will be penetration. Right, the, my shield is going to penetrate your fucking uh, clam. That is going to happen. That's what I'm hearing sure. out of this. I mean, I, I get that without even the, the Kinsberg stuff. The minute you announce it's Deadpool and Cable headlining an X-Force right. movie. Like, anyone with half a brain realizes what's going on there. I'm trying like, to... that's pro- step one. I'm trying to protect Deadpool, and you're saying, you know what? You know what? No condom. You're saying no... Do- no, you're <laughs> Raw saying... You're saying yeah, but the thing is, <laughs> is like, Deadpool. if you do it without protection, you could potentially have the greatest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awful risk. <laughs> oh my god, yes. If, there's a huge risk with that. There's a huge risk, and I realize that. I get it. You could yeah. Iron Man 2 it up or end up with fucking AIDS. No, nine months later. Nine <laughs> months could la- Iron Man 3 it. Nine months later. Oh, that'd be okay. Nine months later, uh-huh. you could be you could give birth to like the worst thing ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it could nice happen, Shyamalan but movie. you could also give birth to the most amazing life you've ever fucking seen. It's possible. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Jake's horny. <laughs> Apparently, no. Jake is a pro-lifer. Yeah. Yeah. I no shit. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't abort Deadpool out of the Singer universe. Abort <laughs> no. the X Men. I abort the Singer Dude, universe. Dude, I am pro Planned Parenthood. I'm saying double bag this shit. Let's protect what we have. The De- Deadpool is great. It's too late. Deadpool's too old. You can't abort. Uh, all right, guys. <laughs> you know what? Hey, Hopner, I'm going to thank you for joining us this episode. We're not going to do any DC news. I'm not going to read any of uh, read any of your bullshit emails. <laughs> we are done. Thank you so much for joining us, Hopner. Uh, thank you. Whatever. Yeah, don't Whatever. fucking think I'm thanking you, Hopner. <laughs> no, I know you're not. <laughs> well, you can um, thank you can thank fifty percent of him because like he's only half and half. Oh, that's true. That's, that's true. true. <laughs> I uh, think well, the side that sides with me. me. 
Yeah, I appreciate uh, having me on again. Uh, we'll see if I was better this time around. Uh, Frank, really great uh, finally talking to you face-to-face, kind of. Yeah, uh, voice-to-voice, sure thing, buddy. Yep, uh, so uh, hopefully I'll be uh, back in a couple months come uh, Bayformers 5. Ah, uh, yeah. We'll uh, uh, yeah, yes. shit show. That'll be a shit show for sure. But thanks for having me, guys. Uh, and remember to uh, everybody, the listeners, to go see my pod, listen to my podcast, and all that shit. Yeah, something, uh, something nostalgia. Check it out on iTunes, guys. Uh, next week we are going to be talking about Iron Fist. Iron yes. Fist is going to be dropping on Friday. Uh, rave gonna, reviews so far. Yeah, rave reviews <laughs> so far for Iron Fist. Oh God, they've been awful. Uh, and. Yeah. Uh, we're also at Beauty and the Beast. I'm sure Jake's going to be talking about that. Uh, I will probably be talking about the Belko experiment. And hopefully I'll get a chance to see Beauty and the Beast. But we'll, we'll, we will see you next week. Later, y'all. Hasta mañana. Just like all good leftover Sander doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. I haven't said that in a while. Nice. Oh, I thought you were going to say something that brought us into the singer universe. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fuck off, Jake. <laughs> Automatically make it the worst part of the show. God. Oh, man. Bullshit. Later. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap! Good it toss it, good it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it it let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushovers Pop culture, leftovers And uncool kids What's to say it's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing That is pop culture leftovers Podcasts that are original and good Have already been done before So we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft of crap Even though we're the shit We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it, toss it, good it, take it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, hate erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushover Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say it's already been said Leftovers It. Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftover, and the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftover, pretty sure that the 
Leftovers.